Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. It is the Riot Podcast brought to you by Casper Mattresses. No, it's not. It's not? It's not. <laughs> they brought, I thought they brought uh, brought us every podcast. They did not. Is that normally the podcast? I don't listen you to too many what? other podcasts. Um, but now it's less that. And is it the purple one? or? <laughs> I'm trying to think. What are the ads? I guess I haven't he- heard the ads repeatedly enough. They vary. Now there's so many podcasts. The ads have become slightly more varied than uh, they used they to be to a year or two more. ago when it was always me undies yeah. and uh, Casper mattresses. Well, thankfully not here. Nope, we're not mattress brought to you. free since the start. Yep, we're not brought to you by anything <laughs> except you. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we always ask in the podcast. We want to hear your ratings, reviews, uh, and then we want you to unsubscribe and. Uh, resubscribe. That's Don't just stay unsubscribed. I know that's important to say, but then that way that helps share our podcast with a lot more people who yep. maybe never seen the Worst of Riot podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So you can make a review as well and give us hopefully all five stars. We just hit, I thought it might be more than this. We just hit 50 reviews. All right. And uh, we have 4.9 stars. Perfect. Who's dragging us down? Out of 10. Who's dragging the one down? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Actually, I scrolled back. These were before I took over, but there's a couple that are like one or two stars, but the comments are really nice. I think so, people, not everybody gets which way the stars go. Yeah. And that it ruins it because you can't like go in and edit the stars for them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I back in the day, I don't think people quite <laughs> grasped well, what you were supposed to do. Uh, 4.9 stars out of five is we'll still pretty it. good. We'll take we it. We just heard from Brandon HTX. Hey, Brandon. He said, I discovered Radio U and the Riot while living in Maine, continued listening through college in Pittsburgh, and now listen to the podcast from Houston. Houston. Yay. Hudson and Nikki continue the legacy of worse stuff, <laughs> like my travels only going down. Aww, thanks for the very kind review. Yeah. And don't forget for everybody else, if you have a moment to leave a review too. Yes, we w- might read it on the show. We probably will read it on the show Happy unless to. there's some reason that we can't. So in the podcast today, the number one thing will be about the robots. And you mean robots. No, you'll, you'll hear some... <laughs> I don't know. I'm still not over it with you. (laughs) But I want you guys to just know that something's coming. Mm -hmm. And when you get to it, you'll know it. And we'll all be upset at Hudson all the same time. Well, you can jump in and leave your comments and opinions when you hear it. And you'll know it when you hear it. I almost feel like nothing else matters in this podcast. Just that part. It is the very end of the podcast. You have to listen all the way through. Don't fast forward. You need to listen to the rest of the stuff. Like talking about... Uh, the cancellation of Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about the lowest score ever in Jeopardy. Yep. And LeVar Burton and the role he played in that. And uh, there's quite a bit of talk about Simone Biles and other Olympic stuff going on. And we also, uh, we had um, Isaiah, the new producer, the new news guy in he for that. He hopped in for a bit. And he also talked to us about the Cleveland Guardians name change. 
which was not as simple as it seemed, mm-hmm. it appears. So there's more drama with it. Yep, there is. They just, I mean, you think they're leaving the drama behind by <laughs> dropping the Indians moniker, but no there's way. a whole nother <laughs> list of issues that they're now dealing with. <laughs> this one's something. Well, yeah. thank you guys for listening. As always, please uh, support us by subscribing and make sure you text and call 877 to Radio U and leave us a message there. Or if you want to join us at Radio U Riot on Facebook. Yep. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. If you missed out on the next Riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're Nikki, it's time to break out the old uh, food documents that yeah. we have. Oh, there's new items? There's new something All for right. us. We it have is... a Google Doc that we can um, use to keep track of things. Yeah, we, we finally started scheduling the... <laughs> or at least things? we have a, a, a grocery list that we can look for when we go to the store. Or That's now, it. again, give to Isaiah, the new producer, so he can go to the grocery store for us. And what we're adding is the new Lay's... Chip flavored chips. Is that the Dorito one? Uh huh. And there's like a pickle one. There's Doritos, Cool Ranch variety. Then there's the it's wavy, funyun flavored. Oh, well, wavy chip is the most important for me. Okay, but I don't know if funyun's going to be fun. Oh, funyuns are are that they put the fun in funyun. No, they don't. I yes, think they, they take do. it out. I think they no. take it out. No, they're used. They're abusing it. <laughs> I love <laughs> it's I, wrong funyuns. I didn't appreciate until later in life. But oh, man, it's an acquired are they, taste. Uh, are they ever? <laughs> They're one of the chips you just get the cravings for. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I, I haven't hit that age in life yet. But I don't, yeah, I guess I guess not. But I, <laughs> I don't know if the Lay's chips will really capture that. So we'll see. And then finally, uh, Cheetos chips. That one looks good. Yeah, but I, I wonder, I mean, Lay's, obviously, they're owned by the same company, Frito-Lay, that yeah. does all of these other things. So that's how they can do this. These are actually branded this way. And so they already have access to the seasonings. Is it really just literally going to be the same seasonings just on a potato chip? Yeah, probably they put in a tumbler or something and they just throw <laughs> it at it. <laughs> They're like, here you go. Here's a new special flavor. I wonder, I, I just, if that's, if it's that simple, I don't know if it'll translate. You I, know what I mean? I like, bet it does. A little splash of water on it. It'll stick right on there. <laughs> yeah. You got a new flavor. Like you're making a microwave pretzel or yes, something. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. The salt's going to stay right on yeah. there. I, I, <laughs> I'm definitely intrigued. We definitely have to have them for the show, but I mean, it aren't isn't the seasoning of Cool Ranch Doritos just meant for a Dorito chip and not a potato chip? Is all I'm wondering. Guess we'll have to find out if it if it goes well. We also need to add on there the ice cream, the Cocoa yes. Puffs ice cream, and the is it Fruity Pebbles? Yeah. And then I saw we should just do that all in one morning. Oh, I, should, I know we should we should do an ice cream <laughs> morning. I saw someone else post about a cake pop cereal from Kroger's, which okay. is which is Ralph's for other places. Yeah. So it was cake pop in them, and I really want to try that too. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Add it what? to the list. Yeah. We're never going to get to all this stuff. <laughs> oh, we will. Why don't we have an ice cream morning uh-huh. and then a chip morning Ooh. another day? Now, this is something we could pre-promote ahead of time. Yeah. And I mean this. 
a food fight week where every single morning we come in and do a food fight. It's like spirit week, but for the riot. So it's a new flavor every day. Yeah. If okay. we can build up a, a stable of foods. We could do that. Oh, I think we could totally do it. You already All right, put that you, down for next wait, week. Did you actually get the Mountain Dew cake smash or did we forget about it? No, it's still on the thing, but I haven't gotten it oh, anywhere. Yeah. See, you get that. You I've get the a, chips. I have to order that from eBay. Cereal. And that's already three. Uh, then the cereal uh, ice cream. And that's four things already. There's a new Kit Kat That's flavor too. Like we're almost at a That's whole week. It. That's a whole week. It has to happen. <laughs> it has to happen. This <laughs> is the only, this is the most motivation we've had all, <laughs> all show week. Worst of the Riot podcast. So I don't know if you saw yesterday, Nikki, the new Ghostbusters trailer. So is this the, this isn't the one that had been out. Cause I thought I had seen one with the little, um, the little guys with Paul Rudd at the uh, grocery store. Yep, this is, is the new one. It's the same movie, but yeah, the brand they dropped a brand new trailer, and it doesn't seem. Uh, I don't know what the full response is, but there's a lot of people saying, "I thought the Ghostbusters were supposed to be funny." Oh, is it more yeah, serious? It's a very. Uh, a very Stranger Things esque trailer. Yeah, I remember seeing and, that look. You know, Stranger Things could, had some funny moments, right? But when they were making this, because it's this has been pushed back from the yeah, pandemic stuff. When they course. were making that, that was still back when Stranger Things. I mean, obviously, Stranger Things will still do well, uh-huh. but that was sort of the look. A lot of things were moving towards. Yep. Uh, to have something be dated, but not too dated. Yeah, and so, I mean, I get having the kind of like, you know, just the 80s style, because that's when Ghostbusters came out as well, yeah. of just having like the young kids that are searching around town and they stumble upon something and who knows what it unleashes and then there's a mystery to solve. You can do all that, similar to Stranger Things, uh, and pick up on that vibe, but what was so much a part of the first Ghostbusters and all of the <laughs> like following, even the one from 2016 with with the lady version, is that <laughs> don't call it that. Well, I mean, call, it is, but don't call it no, that. No, you don't like that version. Well, you don't I, like that term. I don't think anybody liked anything about it. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, that probably is just best to forget about it. But the Ghostbusters is comedy. I yeah. mean, it really was the one from the 80s is really it's well done and it is actually surprisingly scary for a comedy if you go back and watch it but it was definitely a comedy and this one you you would expect at least a joke maybe well, now in the trailer you're just watching the trailer so yeah. maybe maybe all they wanted to save all the humor for the actual movie That's itself what i was wondering i i was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt I was thinking maybe it's... Uh, and Paul Rudd kind of can do a straight sort of form of comedy. Right. So maybe we just didn't catch any yeah, of it. We didn't it was pick just, up on the jokes. Oh, it was so high, <laughs> highfalutin comedy. But we, we didn't, didn't even, even understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess that would make it that we're that it's just not actually comedy to the to the common man. You're not supposed to question it. But you're, it's supposed to sell us, and I don't think it's selling people. I mean, I'm still interested in the movie. I do want to see it, but if it's... If it's what is depicted in the trailer, I feel that I'm going to be disappointed. Well, I guess just wait and find out for after. Is it afterlife? Oh, that's no fun to do. Wait and find <laughs> out. We need to have an opinion now. You don't have 
to. The you show is to today. Worry. The you don't Ghostbusters. Have to worry. We have <laughs> to. We have to come up with something to say about it now. Listen, we don't have to judge the movie completely based on the trailer that just came out. We yeah. can totally just wait it out and see if maybe the humor version will come out. It's. Yeah. Uh, did they say when it's actually going to come that's out? That's what or? I was trying to look up because on uh, apparently November 11th. Oh, that's soon. That's good that that's they're getting bad. it in in time for Halloween. I thought this was because it's be, a scary movie. Thought it was apparently. Next year thing. Because <laughs> it's not. You can't put a funny movie in November. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can put a funny movie anytime. It's just, there's, it's obviously supposed to be like a fantasy, sci-fi, horror type thing that's a good for, you know, not the necessarily fall. the whole family, but at least it's very accessible. Sure. And so you would think that would be out before Halloween. <laughs> no. There's a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of issues be. I'm suddenly seeing with this. This is the Worst of the Riot podcast. Simone Biles is, she withdrew from the Olympics. Like, I want to get the whole story on that. So so pretty much she withdrew yesterday from the team competition. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she's not competing. Actually, what she won gold in last year uh, for the all-around competition for the individual tomorrow. But mm-hmm. she still may come back and participate in some individual stuff but just not for tomorrow or until she gives us other information. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so, I was so confused yesterday because I was like, oh, so it's the team. But then I'm still not sure. I guess it's still up in the air on like her on her own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the question that everybody has, I guess. And and man, there's just such a debate uh, that was oh, going on yesterday, stuff. too, because yeah. she says like. When she withdrew, I guess it was, it was not like she got hurt or anything. She had a really bad vault, whatever a vault is. You do, you do <laughs> don't you? What? The running. And That's then where you, you run and jump? Do you bounce jump. on the thing uh-huh. and then you hop over the vault. Yeah. Okay. And then you do like a twist. So she did a bad one? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't her best. And, and they said like the commentators were kind of shocked and stuff. Yeah. And, and then she you wouldn't had expect a, that from her. She had a huddle, like went to go talk to everybody and then that was it. Yeah. And then that was... According to her, like it wasn't like she got injured or anything, but it was a mental issue that she's having, and that's why she's withdrawing. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so, some people are speculating. Other gymnasts online are saying she's suffering from the twisties, What's that? which is a slang term for when the internal human gyroscope goes haywire, making gymnasts lose their bearings while flying through the air. Uh, so what a bad time for that. Yeah. So. So, and then everybody going into the Olympics put her as like, the darling of the Olympics yeah, she and really like the was. main thing. So the stress She's the and only, mental health uh, with that. The only Olympian that I can think of that is in all of the like, <laughs> you know, commercials and stuff. Oh, sure. yep. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, I don't know any swimmers that are in commercials now. It's just, it's Simone Biles. So she was the big star. She was the big star. And push. now all of a sudden she's, uh, she's withdrawing from at least the team portion. But I guess they still earned a silver medal without her. They did. Which is, I guess, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, silver medals are good. I just mean, like, without her, that's pretty, that's good compared to what you were expecting. I think everybody was expecting gold for them, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's that was definitely hard on the team to just suddenly have that change up during it. So yeah. I, I bet silver was a, a welcome, well, <laughs> just in case. It could have been worse. You have to think, too, like, each gold medal is, like, a lot of money for these athletes. Sure. So for yeah. her to, like, go out, that's, like, a pretty big deal because, I mean, she's expected to win gold and Pretty much everything she yeah. participates in. Right, right. Yeah, there's the pressure right there. Yep. Do you do you think that it's almost a bigger story and higher profile that she withdrew from the team than if they had just won gold like they were expected to? 
You know what I mean? Not that, not as if she's withdrawing to raise her brand or sure. anything. I mean, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like it's a bigger story that because they were just expected to win gold anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's there will be more throughout the day yeah, on, yeah. on what that will all look <laughs> that's, like. But I, that's again what I was seeing on Twitter. It's just people debating like, well, what is the what is it? mean like what if a male athlete said he had mental issues and decided to skip out and it's just like you know what i don't know what's worse being the uh being me the too cool to care about gymnastics guy (laughs) or being the debating gymnastics (laughs) mental health guy i don't think i want to be either and yet i am the too cool for gymnastics because i just don't know anything about it it must also be hard for her because she has she's focusing she said on her mental health but now you have this whole other wave of people coming at you that uh you had that pressure before but now you have this whole different pressure You almost missed hearing this one. We just couldn't let that happen. The worst of the riot. Radio U. Walmart has committed to uh, a new program where they are offering to pay 100% of college tuition for employees of Walmart and Sam's Club. Yeah. But not. That seems nice. Like too nice. It's not as uh, like that's the headline, but it's not as all encompassing as that makes it seem. You have to choose uh, between a few. Is it Walmart University? You know, I'm pretty sure that's a thing, actually. Is it Sam's Club uh, Technical College? <laughs> because I know you you learn from life Yeah, if you're just working, too. That's the school of hard knocks that's right, right there. That's the school right there. We've uh, all been to that. <laughs> it, you have to go to a, a list of certain approved schools, which is fairly short. Oh, I bet they um, give them a deal then. Actually, let's see. I know the University of Arizona is on the list. They also have University of Denver. I think Purdue is on the list. And then there's a few uh, like it's, I think it's eight universities or online uh, options. So uh, a couple online different versions as well. But still, uh, if you can, go, if you want to go to college in nice. any way and Walmart's going to offer to support you through that, that's actually really helpful. They're just like, having really helpful. really helpful. I know they're just like everybody else. They're having a lot of problems getting people into work and staying there. Yeah. So they want to give some incentives. There's 10 academic partners for Walmart and Sam's Club. And so those are the universities that are allowed to, you know, you could use. If you participate in the program, you must continue part time or full time. So you have to stay as an employee to be able to stay having the free tuition. Yeah. So this is I actually. Um, like, okay, Walmart doesn't seem to be, at least when you go in as a customer, doesn't seem to be having quite the issues with staffing as some other, like more restaurants seem to have right now. Maybe they hide it better. Yeah. I'm sure that they have their own issues as well. But, uh, with the current state of things where a lot of people are just really reluctant, uh, I don't even know if I want to say that, but like, it's just hard to find workers right now. Uh, so this is a way of Walmart incentivizing people to uh, not only get back to work, but it's it's something that, like, let's be honest, you probably don't want to work at Walmart the rest of your life if, if you do you, start working there. If you're working while you go to school, sure. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> an option for you. And I know people that have have wound up working at Walmart. Some of them didn't have such great experiences, but you work your way up through Walmart and uh, eventually they wind up treating you pretty well. And in the meantime, like this, you can if you can stick it out for long enough to where uh to where it pays off with that college tuition, then you're done. That's uh that's you're getting paid and you're getting uh something to go forward with. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the worst of the riot. 
Simone Biles, uh, like he he put it in the news and everything. Simone Biles withdrew from the Olympics, at least from the team competition and the individual competition. But uh, again, like I'm admitting a lot of uh, ignorance with this. I don't know anything about gymnastics. I don't know if she's completely like just going home or if there's like other stuff she still could do. It, she's just saying she's going to take it day by day. Uh-huh. But it seems like she's also out of the individual stuff. Yeah. But who knows so I don't know what's change. left. Is there a I relay or something? Or? <laughs> Not, that's not gymnastic. I don't know. <laughs> At least I don't think it is. Maybe but, I'm the one who doesn't what, know. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I'm realizing is, uh, like, as I've been looking, because I'll admit, I had the kind of knee-jerk reaction uh, a lot of people I've seen have on Twitter and stuff, where it's like, Simone Biles withdraws because of mental health. And it's like, mental health? Come on. You know what I mean? Everybody's upset. Like, what? What is she not tough? Can you imagine if somebody else did this? And uh, the more I've looked into it, it's like, I, I again, and I said this before, I feel that mental health can sometimes just be a keyword that we use to get out of blame for some stuff or to get out of responsibility. But that doesn't mean that 100% of the time or just because somebody brings up that term, that doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean that because she says it's because of her mental well-being mm-hmm. that it's just like, well, she must not be tough. Well, well, if I, she was a real gymnast. She would be tough. Well, you got a lot of people saying that on one side yeah. and the other side saying, well, no, how could you yeah. even question it? And I feel with athletes and stuff or if there's a part of your life that there's a lot of pressure about, mm-hmm. that's where we might not understand the mental health side yeah. of it because we're not athletes. right? We're not in that. Whereas we we might have more pressure and you might not understand a section we can have issues with. Uh, so I, I think it's very much there for athletes, probably more than we ever would even understand. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, like one of the things I'm seeing a lot of people talk about is that she's competed previously with broken toes and both feet and with a kidney stone. And so, which again, this is all stuff. If we follow gymnastics, we would know, <laughs> I'll say, but, or maybe I would anyways, but I didn't know any of that. So, but you know, the knee jerk reaction is that you judge somebody. And, uh, the truth is we don't know it. It's very likely that Simone Biles, she's been through so much and it, mental health it. might not be the perfect term for it, but we don't know what she's dealing with to where she has to withdraw. So I think a lot of us could learn a lot from taking a second and not ha- judging somebody and not, uh, y- you know, trying, we don't try to put ourselves in their shoes very often. And that's a tough thing. And the flip side of that coin is you may be going through a lot of stuff and because the world is the way it is and so many of us are just so quick to judge, you feel like nobody's really getting you, you know, where you're going through a lot and you feel like, well, I can't even say anything because everybody's just going to jump on me and say, I'm not tough enough for life or whatever. And the truth is, at the end of the day, even if nobody else gets you, God does. And what Jesus wants you to know is that he understands what you're dealing with. When nobody else does, Jesus gets it. And he's there to help you through it. He is there to give you, not necessarily so that you can just jump right back into the gym competition if you need to, but Jesus is ready to carry you through that situation, whatever that looks like. God gets what you're going through, even if the rest of the world is just going to judge you and and not give you, you know, not give you a fair shake. Jesus is saying, I get it. I see what you're dealing with and I want to help you through this. I love you through it all. And God's ready to help with that. And if you need that comfort, there's no better place to turn. Say, hey, God, nobody else gets me. I'm going through a lot. I want some help with it. Please help me out of this. 
and he'll do it for you. The definition of insanity is putting the riot on again and again and expecting a better result. It's the worst of the riot on Radio U. First of all, the Indians, we talked earlier in the week, they're changing their names to the Guardians. And how did you feel about that? As a fan. I can tell by your body language. I don't think you like it. You can see it. I knew the name could change was coming, which is fine. But the Guardians, that that wasn't my first pick for the new name. But overall, I mean, it is is, what it is. Is it because of the statues on the bridge they say that they call the Guardians? Or was there some other reason? I I have no idea why they went with the name the Guardians. I Uh mean, they're saying that, but... I don't even know what a guard like. What is like? What is a guardian? You <laughs> know, I don't, I don't like, really get it. Unless you live gargoyles. across the street yeah. from the bridge, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> other people from Cleveland are like, what? I, yeah. don't, I mean, I don't know. But but I think everybody's pretending they know. Yeah, right. so they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, great of course. Choice. It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, but I saw this story here, uh, actually, that you surfaced for me that the Cleveland Guardians aren't just a baseball team. They also are a roller derby team. Oh, they're already someone else's name? The Indians are stealing their name from a roller derby team. Uh Uh-oh. What's up with that? You'd think that they would have went, like, outside of the city to find a new name Uh because the Cleveland Guardians have been a roller derby team, an amateur roller derby team in Cleveland for years, but they took everything from them. Well, Which, if you think they're going to get a new name... They should be like creative enough to go outside of you would Cleveland. Think. Yeah. Or is Guardians just such a good name no, I feel that uh, it was already taken because it was just it was so good it had somebody had to have it. It could just be the case if they didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> just like yep. take the name. So are the is the roller derby thing suing them or are they did they get money or they They said that they have they asked, but they have no comments on it yet. So usually when they have no comments from either side, mm-hmm. that means that they're in negotiations uh, right now. So I assume they're gonna try to get some sort of money, which for this amateur roller derby team yeah. is probably awesome. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of money normally in amateur roller derby. If, if I own the team, amateur. I'd yeah. be like, let's close down because I just got paid. <laughs> <laughs> there's no more roller derby team. I think they should have a partnership. Oh, yeah, that would They should get the fun. roller derby team out on the field mm-hmm. in between innings. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome <laughs> they can, idea. They can skate around the whole exterior of the stadium. Instead, so, of, instead of doing like the ketchup and mustard race yeah, for the matchup, they, the they can do the roller derby race. race. <laughs> okay, wait, does every baseball team does the ketchup mustard race or in this day so. and age they almost all <laughs> they seem always to, do yeah. oh that's cute so they said that um basically lawyers are saying that yeah there there's probably something that the roller derby team will end up getting that's reasonable mm-hmm. uh but if not it, it doesn't look good for the cleveland guardians <laughs> which is <laughs> now, already something else this is going to be so confusing for me i just now, okay, just I used to just follow the Cleveland Guardians base uh, roller derby team, and now <laughs> how am I going to differentiate between the two? It's really going to throw me for a loop. I'm sure they'll figure it all out, and and they'll be taken care of. I just and as a Cleveland sports fan, you thought that uh, you would only get one name change this year, and now you have to get two two new things to update. It's a lot to follow. <laughs> it's it too is. much for Hudson. Yeah, and so, now Isaiah too. Yeah. I know. I don't know how I'm going to be able to get over it, but it's probably good for the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, hardly anyone, the the roller derby team, (laughs) hardly anyone even probably knew about them. So now they're probably like their PRs went up so much. In in Cleveland, they were like, wait, we have a roller derby team? Exactly. They got a bunch of new fans. (laughs) There's no fresh by date because it was spoiled when they made it. Worst of the riot. Radio U. It was uh, less, uh, earlier this week, LeVar Burton, uh, his first night hosting Jeopardy. This is his week to guest. Yeah. 
And if and you don't he, know, he is the one that they seriously want him not saying Jeopardy, but like yeah. fans of Jeopardy. Fans, and he is kind of been vocal that he would like to do it. He really thinks time. he would be a good permanent host for Jeopardy. And of course, if you don't know, like maybe you know the name LeVar Burton, but you may not know who it is. He was the host of Reading Rainbow, the mm. the the show on PBS a long time ago, and he was also Jordy in Star Trek: The Next Generation, which is the guy that the has glasses. like the headband thing well, over his t- eyes. Every time for the last few months, he's been really campaigning. He's yeah. always like, "I've won all these awards," and he keeps pushing all these shows that he's done. Yep. And I keep looking at it like, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I'm not as familiar with your work. Yeah, I just I know Reading Rainbow and Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like and you know I remember the names. I remember going to this is weird. I went and the story isn't actually really even about him at all, but remember, But we're gonna make it. Yeah, we're eventually <laughs> we'll tie it into Jeopardy. But the other thing I remember about LeVar Burton is I went to a like what do you call it? Planetarium or whatever. Yeah. In Canada when I was a kid and he was and it was like a movie kind of thing that displayed on the top of the planetarium and he was the voice and like because he, he was playing <laughs> Jordy but he actually did the story for the for the planetarium That's cool yeah I guess it's weird that I still remember that but I really think the only reason I do is because it was him well he was hosting for the whole week for Jeopardy but unfortunately the other day the Jeopardy competition wasn't so good. And yeah. so now it's not being talked about about him being the host, but right. instead what else happens? Yeah, because uh, we have the lowest score in Jeopardy history. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick I really, Peace. <laughs> I don't understand how, it, I mean, I get it. You just answer, you answered a bunch of questions and you got them wrong. Yeah. But I don't know how you could get, answer enough questions wrong to get to negative $7,400. Good job on the numbers. Yeah, there the we go. Previous record low score was negative 6,800, which was Stephanie Hole from an episode in March of 2015. Uh, But Patrick decided to do better than that. And he's from California. And so he now holds the record after double jeopardy um, of $7,400 under. (laughs) Not above. He has to pay jeopardy. (laughs) Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. He owes LeVar Burton money (laughs) Money because because he answered so many wrong. (laughs) Actually, that should be the rules of Jeopardy. No one would want to play just in case. But normally they don't don't do this bad. Uh, But again, LeVar Burton really wanted to go in this week strong, they said, because he wants to take over and have no longer guest hosting, but just be the host of Jeopardy. But people only talking about Patrick Peace. Yeah. Well, LeVar Burton also said this was this show was his first show. And uh, he didn't think it went so well. And he talked to his wife and she was like, yeah, it wasn't so good. <laughs> oh, no. He said, well, he said she's the one I know can be honest. So she was and honest she with him was. and just said it wasn't it, you weren't being you. And so he <laughs> said he was going to be more of himself. We would say rate and review the podcast. But uh, let's be honest, that would probably hurt more than hell. The worst of the riot podcast. For some reason, this is like the top story uh, from yesterday. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. Not Olympic stuff, but this. No. And Mila Kunis. Everything else is Olympics. And then Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis say they don't believe in bathing their kids or themselves too much. So I didn't watch it. Oh, but you can tell from uh, Ashton Kutcher. From him? Well, I <laughs> was wondering. He doesn't seem like he bathes that much. If it was more like they were trying to be funny. Um, so, of course, no one, none of us are just going to actually watch the interview to uh-huh. see. But they were saying how they talked about how, like, um, 
I don't know. They just they were doing an appearance on a podcast and they talked about bathing and they said <laughs> that they just only wash what needs to be washed. But outside of that, uh, they they just let the dirt grow <laughs> for the wow. most part. Uh, but they don't uh, now that they're older. Kutcher says that they have a system. And if if you see dirt on someone, then you wash it. If not, you don't. I guess. Maybe that's an okay way to do it. I don't know. I I like showering, so that's uh, that's my that, like. How else do you get up in the morning and wake up? Oh, I you need really? a shower. Yeah, I uh, I don't shower before the show. Oh, I don't, don't know if you can tell. <laughs> You're I, fine. I, I, <laughs> but uh, we call. sit across the desk. There's plenty of space. I'll be like, listen, could you uh, stop doing the Ashton? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that means from now on. But I uh, but for me, like the shower. I, that's where I like, that's my peace time. You yeah. know, like, I will just go like with Kramer living in the shower in Seinfeld. I, that would be me. I would just live in there just because I love, you just feel the warm water. It's quiet. Nobody else is there bothering you. So is it's, this like they're, are they too good to do this? Well, or, uh, <laughs> is there some sort of see. health benefit of, does it help? Like if you have certain germs on you that you become like, then new germs don't bug you as much. It sounds like, I don't know if this is. If I'm reading this right, but they were on a podcast where they also happened to be on with a with someone. Oh, no, they're on a podcast. Somebody on the podcast said using soap every day rids the body of natural oils. Mm. How did that come up? And well, then you got to fill up podcast time. Yeah. So I'm sure it just made its way there. And so they agreed. And actually, uh, Mila Kunis, she's from the Ukraine, I believe. She said she did not have hot water growing up, so she was used to not showering a whole lot anyways, which that'll do it. Not having hot water totally changes the experience. I will shower every day. Even if it's <laughs> even if it's cold? I don't care. I'll still have to have something. <laughs> I went through a phase where I tried to take colder showers because I thought part of it was like, you know, people in other countries and like, guys in the military and stuff can shower with cold water like i need to toughen up a little bit well they say it's good for your skin it yeah. is supposed to be better but it just it's so horrible i can't do it i i, I just love the hot water too much well, there's you... some things like i cut back on the cream and sugar in my coffee i can do that i can't do the cold showers well we all have our things right yeah i guess we do <laughs> feel free to text at 8772 radio you are you an ashton are you a hudson <laughs> are you a nikki where it's oh, a nice on. warm shower still, every morning i shower pretty much every day just not before the show i shower like the, the night evening. before yeah, yeah. But I guess I do have longer hair, but it's not that I long. I longer to hair than you. I know. That's what I mean. So I can't I can, do that. I can shower the night before, and it's not like I'm sleeping with wet hair if I shower early enough. That's why I feel like I shouldn't. I don't want to sleep with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want no, to that No, that's problem. a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> so text and say hey at 877-2-RADIO-U. You can also message us anytime at Radio U Riot on our Facebook page if you have a story you would like to share, too. Yeah. So, uh I guess, uh, I guess, when, however much we're showering, it's more than Ashton and Mila. And I'm fine with it. Or Mila. Mila. I, I never know. <laughs> Find more Riot content online. Riot.radiou.com. It's an end of an era. The Arthur era. <laughs> Arthur, the TV show. Well, we the DW thing. Yes. And uh, we were talking a bit about there's this podcast that was popular for like a, br- a brief moment. Yeah. It's where, still going. Is it? They're yeah. finding each episode is like trying to find the original voice actors. Yep. Uh, for, is it for DW? Yeah. Or for well, all the characters? I think that's how it started out. Kind of like the one with the, it's just like any other podcast, uh, like 
where the there's somebody from the show and they start interviewing a few other people from the show and then it kind of branches out and all of a sudden it's a uh, it took off a little bit to where now a lot of people are listening and a lot of people from Arthur over the years have been involved but now uh, and actually the podcast was part of breaking the news that Arthur has been canceled. And it's not because he said something racist or sexist I mean, or anything. It's, or, a, it's a kid's show. It's a TV show. The <laughs> show has PBS. been canceled, not <laughs> Arthur has been canceled by culture. I don't even think I knew. Like, I remember Arthur from being younger, but uh-huh. I didn't even know it was still going on. No, neither did I. So I guess it was still a show that was maybe promoted or... Did they just, because some animation shows, like, they're like, yeah, we did those 10 years ago, and we're still going through the episodes. That's exactly what it sounds (laughs) like with Arthur. According to, and this was on the Finding DW podcast, which, by the way, uh, we talk about it a few times now. If it's, like, full of cursing and, like, I don't know, (laughs) drugs and stuff. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. We're just talking about where the news is from. But We haven't actually heard not, the podcast. We're not promoting the podcast. We're just telling you where the news came from. <laughs> and uh, this was a former Arthur writer. Her name is Kathy Wog or something like that. I don't know. W-A-U-G-H. If you're a fan of Arthur, if you sure surely you know. know the name. And she said, Arthur is no longer in production. We had our rap party Two years ago. Oh, so that's when they finished? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The TV stuff and movies, like, if you found out when some of the stuff that we... We are looking forward to uh-huh. when you find out it was like, hey, five years ago we did this yeah. or it's been shopped around for 20 years. Yep. Uh, the things that we think are current, they're not. Yeah. Well, it's also one thing when you're an adult and you like there's kind I guess just with kids stuff, they feel like they can get away with it more because the kids aren't following the news oh, and the production know. schedule of Arthur. So uh, if you're a kid, you don't know. But now all of us adults, the curtain has been lifted that they've made the Arthur episodes you're seeing now that are new <laughs> years ago. Lies. It first premiered October 7th, 1996, and it ran for a total of 25 seasons. Yep. And that feels uh, like The Simpsons. I yeah. think Simpsons is longer, but that feels like People that length. still talk about The Simpsons, uh, but Arthur arguably has had just as good of a run. It's been 25 years, but uh, PBS currently airing episodes from the show's final season, and it'll wrap up later this year. So a sad day for Arthur fans. I wish I didn't have to break this news to you. I don't uh, know if there's any around. I don't. But. Well, I just don't know if there's any that have been. <laughs> you probably feel some fondness if you watched it when you were a kid. Yeah, I watched it, but li- like you, and I watched it a lot, but I didn't know it was still going. Equivalent of someone's lint collection. This is the worst of the riot podcast. One of my new favorite people, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He just won the NBA Finals. He scored 50 points in the championship, like the final game of the finals. Not to, to minimize seal the deal. that, uh-huh. but is he also the guy who ordered all the Chick Fil A nuggets? That's right. And he's that's the one, one of the reasons. It's the Sprite and lemonade. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's that the one. I think that's the mix that he did. Yeah, so that that's what we know him best for. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> we talked about that last week. We've talked about him a few times. I didn't realize, like, obviously, I've heard of him. He's been an, a big star in the NBA for a few years. I didn't realize how much personality he had. Yeah, and I've been uh, following him on Twitter, and he's actually pretty interesting. But this, this is what puts him over the top. This is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's like uh, NBA royalty now. He's making millions of dollars. And he's a really tall guy, too? Yep. Okay, Very tall. He's uh, from Greece originally. So I think that's part of the charm is like his English is like a little 
a little off to what we would uh, the way we would talk. So that just kind of adds to the fun. And then, so last night, the United States men's basketball team at the Olympics was playing against Iran. Mm-hmm. And so Giannis tweets out, "How can I watch uh, the? Oh, what time it is? Yeah, where channel? can I find where can I find the game?" <laughs> and people let him know. The only way you can watch it legally is by subscribing to Peacock. <laughs> and he goes, if I got to pay, never mind. Can I say that's that's something we can look up to right there? Even, that's a somebody. Even people with uh, millions of dollars are like, I'm out Peacock. on Peacock. <laughs> I am not going to pay to watch. And it might have something to do with the fact that the United States, like, yeah, you maybe maybe he wants to support the U.S. even though he's not from the United States. But uh, they were like forty point favorites in their game last night, sure. which is outrageous in basketball. And they did wind up winning by a ton. So uh, you know it wasn't exactly the gold medal match or anything. But still, the the stance that Giannis, who has millions and millions of dollars, doesn't want is to pay. saying paying anything for Peacock is too much for me. I'm I'm on board with that. Well, I don't know if anybody else, they say that viewership for this Olympics is down so much mm-hmm. because uh, all the drama. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just drama everywhere you turn. Yep. Uh, but they're also saying because the, when it's in a different time zone yeah, and some tough. things are live, some things are not, like a lot of it's just shifted time-wise. Mm-hmm. They said that for this set of Olympics, people are so confused where to watch it yep. and what time to watch it yep. that they pull a Giannis and you don't care at the end <laughs> You actually find out when this thing's going to be. So I don't know if anybody's watched a lot of the Olympics, but if you haven't, don't feel bad. Like their viewership is just down so much. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, too, for the Olympics, uh, it's one thing if you like you. What we've talked about before is the sports at the Olympics are not sports you would most of us would typically watch, but you just watch. If you watch because it's the Olympics, Mm -hmm. but then when you find out that like, well, if I want to watch the Olympic swimming, I can, if you don't want to watch it on NBC when they've uh, in like primetime when it's not live anymore because of the time difference, if you want to watch it live. Are you really going to pay, like, subscribe to Peacock just to watch swimming for a, a couple weeks or Some something? Some people you know, would just... in the past, but just not for this yeah. one. And I feel like every time there's been Olympic news overload, mm-hmm. but not about the results from yeah. things. It hasn't been so many puff pieces. <laughs> there's been a few stuck in there of like, look at the families cheering for their, uh, you know, swimmer or whatever. But uh, most of them are. Everybody has the virus. This person's canceled. And there's a canceled, tropical canceled. storm coming. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Simone Biles is withdrawing. It's just all this kind of negative stuff. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the worst of the riot. This is a new segment we're going to call Robot Talk. <laughs> Robot, wow, that's a robot. way to bring the A How creative. I know. How about I know ro- we have a new producer, but maybe uh-huh. Isaiah can give his input if How about, we're going to have um, anything else. Robot Roundup. Uh, Is that good? Well, maybe. Let, why don't we just not commit to a segment? A segment, and yeah. We don't, it's too no much one, work. No one work on any production for that. We don't know if we'll ever <laughs> talk about robots again. Can I say it like that? Robots? No, it's robots. But I like ro- it. Well, it just depends on where you're from. Where do they say robot? <laughs> where is that at? That's more the segment right there. <laughs> Who says that? Is that a Canadian um, thing? You're tell you're lying. That's nowhere. I think that's like a, a foreign thing. If you are from like Europe and then you're uh, uh, learning English, you I've say never it, heard you that. say robots. robots. I just I know. Uh, <laughs> 
in Futurama, no, Doctor Zoidberg would real. always say, "It's not real." <laughs> he would always Hudson, say, "It's not European." Robots. That's the show. Yeah, but he had like a Hungarian dialect or something. Yeah, but it's not real life. In, oh but how God, do we know it's not? How I do can't. we know it's not though? No one says robot. He might have been voiced by a real Hungarian actor, no. and that's really how the Hungarian. Actor says no, it. the the voice actor's never matching the person. <laughs> it never does. <laughs> they had to cast a real alien lobster <laughs> man to voice that. I I don't want to talk about the robot anymore because if now I'm just, just going to keep saying robot because you're just going to throw me off with that. But I'm more also just disappointed that you're trying to blame some other place for saying robot when it was Futurama. Crediting Futurama with my pronunciation of robots. All right. Well, there is a Olympics basketball robot. Yeah. Ro- robot. And it, uh, it, it got a lot of attention earlier in the Olympics because it was automatic, mm-hmm. uh, as a robot is. It was hitting shots from all over the court. So is this the one that you saw the video of him doing like half-court basketball shot? Yeah. This robot was trying to make the uh, yeah. the basket? They brought it out at halftime, maybe because they can't have fans come out and shoot for, oh, sure. I don't know. But they don't even have fans at all. That was during the US men, USA men's loss when they played France over the weekend. Yep. And it could do free throws, threes, and half-court shots. And apparently it was making all of them. But I didn't see that. But what I did see is that last night at the, at the halftime show... He took two shots, it, it, because it's a robot, it doesn't have, <laughs> it's just an it, and it's not a person, and it, sh- <laughs> so we don't need to humanize it, it, shot two court shots. I think it's Hungarian. Half court shot. <laughs> the robot shot two. Stop it. Stop shot. it. Did he miss? And he missed both of them, and everybody oh. feels like. Uh, the robot was bad. He's washed up. Yep. His uh, career is over. That's so, all he could do. The, the Olympic basket. Now he has to redeem himself in the next halftime show. Try to get back out there. But uh, he's never going to win a gold medal. No, this they way. say some of my favorite quotes about it. Ba- uh, basketball robot is a fraud. Yeah. Father time comes for us all. Yeah. That robot did not have a long. His prime just came and went That's just right. like that. You got to stay in the game. But on on the robot news, there's also another hardly impressive robot. Mm, from- stop it. The people are going to be like, what's Hudson's problem? They're going to think that's how you say it. It is how I say it. It is not. Not it can't be. Why not? I can't. I can't. You seriously say robot? <laughs> I know we've never probably said the word robot to each other, uh-huh. so we've never had this come up. But you that's, mean the word robot? That's not what you. <laughs> please don't lie to I'm me. I'm not only going to say it that way. I'm going to correct you. <laughs> you can't. You can't say there's it. A, you can't. There's a robot. There's a robot. <laughs> no. A robot from Oregon State University. You can't, can you? They made it it, so that it could run a 5K. It took 53 minutes. But you thought it was going to be faster. Yeah, I did. It was like, can you beat the robot's 5K time? (laughs) 
And I was like, oh no, how fast? I bet you I can't. And it was 53 minutes. You can. I can totally beat that. Oh, well, it looks it looked like an idea. If you didn't want to do a 5K, yeah. you could at least have the robot do that. But it wouldn't be impressive at all. I really like they they put a video together of the robot. I'll say it right this time because I just can't keep doing it. I just want to make sure you can. The robot. Oh, thank you. Running the 5K. And at first it just shows the robot. And you, the way its legs are moving, it looks like it's running pretty fast and they pan back and then out. they kind of pan over and you see people like just walking by it <laughs> in the regular speed <laughs> well it's a it was an option we thought for if you wanted to join our radio u 5k mm-hmm. uh, if you needed a robot to do your time for you yeah. but it'd probably be better you can walk or run and you I can make know. a better time if this is a you know if we're making a lot of progress with the robots or if they're just if this is a sad day where I really realized the limitations of them the and robots. you, you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Worst of the Riot podcast. Oh no, I missed it. Do it again. You can hear us live every day on the Radio U Network through the Radio U app or at riot.radiou.com. episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Hello, and welcome to There's an RPG for That. Today I am joined with the ever so amazing Sir Heck and Turk Accented. And uh, we're going to talk about some games today. This is the first experimental uh, pilot episode, so tell us what you liked, tell us what you hated, and tell us if you never want to hear our voices again. Um, so we're just going to jump into it today. We're going to talk about two games that Turk and Heck have brought to talk about, and then I have a question uh, for the three of us to answer. Uh, for a little segment that is part of the title called There's an RPG for that, but we'll get to that later. Um, Turk and Heck rolled initiative, and Turk's going first. Uh, but before that, how, how are you guys doing today? Good, yeah. Happy yeah, Fourth of July. Yeah, um, I kind of forgot until uh, people across the entire country were, you know, going insane. <laughs> Apparently. I, very lucky here that it's raining that's kept down the uh firework shows and also other kinds of firework shows and i think it's safe a few kids uh fingers as you do <laughs> that's fair <laughs> i feel i was only jolted out of bed twice last night by very loud bangs so you know definitely I'm... hoorah I was very surprised by how few I heard last night. It's probably just going to be tonight instead. My dog's going to hate it, but it's all good. My dog, for the most part, is pretty okay with them unless it's something really out of the ordinary. If it's too loud or too close, it happens with thunder sometimes as well. There was a a thunderclap a couple times during a storm that literally sounded above our house and uh, she did not like that very much at all. So in, in the nature of podcasts, I feel like we have to derail the whole conversation first. 
Of course. Yes. Of course. And uh, we have to spend 35 minutes talking about other things and not getting into what, what we, talk, we talk about on the show. Well, so I, I've been thinking about this, and I've technically produced a podcast before, hosted a podcast twice before. One and a half, really. One of them was a joke. <laughs> but I've, mm -hmm. I've done a real podcast before, but it was... Li aired live on Twitch with the idea of I just put the audio out just in case anyone wanted to listen to the audio version. So, should I use a podcast voice? Should should I well train we my just, voice? Could we hear the podcast voice? <clears throat> yeah. So would it be different? I I forgot to to say this in the intro as well, but there's an RPG for that is a podcast sponsored or supported by TPK Roleplay. My name is Kohlrabi. I'm the host. So now let me do that. Do the intro with my podcast voice. Here we go. Welcome to There's an RPG for That with your host, Kohlrabi. Podcast. I can't, I can't keep it up for too long, though. <laughs> so Kohlrabi. Uh, so, so basically, a podcast voice is you lean a bit more into your microphone and you speak slower in a little bit of a lower tone. I mean, for me, I think I think that's that's where I have to focus. But also, I have I I sometimes have too much of like a drawl, so I'm like, uh, 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 I gotta. Yeah, you, you, you oh, you've been, you been the... in Texas for too long. <laughs> Listen, I, I grew up in Utah as well. It might as well be a, a southern state. I mean, it has the same values as some of the bilingual <laughs> states. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hi guys! Uh, if Hi. you've never hey. heard of TPK Roleplay, um, I am the host of this show, and anything I say terrible only falls back on me. Uh, but TPK Roleplay is just you know silent partner, host, whatever we call it. Uh, and the <laughs> the point of this podcast is to talk about RPGs or TTRPGs, however you like to say it, that you may not have heard of. Uh, and we'll have a fun little segment that I mentioned later uh, for the, the namesake. So, Turk, you guys rolled initiative. You rolled a four. I rolled a four, being which is distinctly three. one more than a three. Do you, do you want to tell us about... In some circles, yes. The game that you have brought for us today. Yes, I would love to. So uh, the book that I brought is actually a book that I've had for a very long time. Um, if I recall, I actually originally found this through a DMs Guild sale um, and, and just kind of like really gravitated towards it. And, and when it came out in physical copy, uh, I just had to grab it. It's Iron Sworn by uh, Sean, Sean Tompkin. It is a tabletop RPG of perilous quests. So what really initially drew me to it is the, is the setting. And that I know a lot of uh, TTRPGs and, uh, you know, role-playing in general takes place in the sci-fi or fantasy genres. Uh, it's much easier to kind of have your players. You have a lot of options to do. You know, not everything is swing the sword, you know, bash the axe. Uh, I'm going to hit him in the face of the shield, punch him in the face, or like talk them down from a situation. You can also have magical spells and fantastical uh, outside forces. Um, the setting for this is very much based on Viking, pre Viking age, uh, North, uh, oh gosh, Scandinavia, 
and that kind of very cruel, hard, Witcher-esque environment where the roads are dangerous, uh, cities are almost, uh, just a little bit less, but they're certainly not established. A lot of villages are just small farming communities, and if, if anyone's ever kind of come around and say they're the king, they're just the roving bandit that happens to have the most uh, uh, guys attached to them at the moment. That isn't to say there aren't fantastical elements to the setting, but they are certainly like, if you are going to fight a dragon, it's gonna be a freaking dragon. You know, you're not gonna be like, I'll counter your fire breath with a fireball. You're like, I'm going to hope I don't burn to death because I'm wearing iron armor and furs to a fight with a fire-breathing creature. Um, So what you're telling me is the history nerd brought a historically accurate game to talk about. It's 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 historical yeah. <laughs> like so here's here's the here's the really cool thing about it because before I even go to the mechanics I will say I the only time I have played this game we took that entire setting and and all the setting notes and just chucked them and we started basically from scratch all you it tells you facts about the world but what it also it's doing at the same time is telling you how to build your own world. So the one that we did was much more based off of the river kingdoms in India, uh, the merchant kings there. Um, I'm, of course, forgetting their uh, proper name. But uh, the world we built, you, you just need, like, what, what did everything used to be? What is everything now? What caused the change? What do people swear by? You know, uh, what is, you know, what are some general rules and moralities? And then, like, what's a fantastical creature to that inhabit these places? Um, or like, and like, what organization are you part of? So instead of iron sworn, usually uh, iron, of course, being a very precious resource uh, in in the north uh, in Scandinavia, you could you know swear by your iron. You had oaths, oath rings, and everything. Uh, so you, you make iron oaths in this game. So like, let's say you're guarding a caravan, you swear an oath uh, uh, by you know, your iron that uh, your caravan, the caravan will reach safe destination by your hand. And that's reflected in the game. You, can, uh, you write that down as a thing you're going to do. In our game, we basically call it Shell Sworn because the area we had uh, created had been an area that the sea had receded from greatly. So there's a whole these shells around. So you would swear on shells and leave them at locations. And uh, there's kind of this, not necessarily magic to it, but uh, kind of like an inherent, like everyone understands what this means. Uh, if you're aware, if you like have a lot of shells on you, you're a very trustworthy person. Um, or if you have a lot of shells in your name. But uh, basically, the way this game goes is you, the character, set out to do something. Uh, either you just can be guided by a GM, it can be entirely solo, or it can be a cooperative experience, which I found to be the most interesting uh, because it's not quite improv. It is guided by the dice, and you can roll for things if you're not certain which direction to take it. But it is, it is, it's very good to have like uh, everyone sitting down at the table and it goes around in a circle. Basically, uh, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just basically take guys through and uh, uh, the adventure that we had had at the beginning. We established we were part of a guild of people who go out and solve problems. Negotiators, fighters, you know, 
if you have a problem, call on us. And of course, the problem we uh, initially created for it is no one really trusts the, this order anymore. They're a little too far flung, they're a little too few between, and some of them are corrupt. So you never know if you're going to actually get your uh, the justice you want or if you're just going to get scammed. So we, of course, being upstanding citizens and members of this order, get a mission. And uh, we rolled, uh, I believe, on our table uh, that they, they have here, that there was a conflict between two houses related to younger members of each of them. Romeo and Juliet just, and it was you a, know. It was a Romeo and Juliet too much situation. In my head. <laughs> well, well, no, because it was in a Romeo and Juliet Verona. situation. Basic, <laughs> but basically, a major trade city was having some problems and they needed us to go there and mediate the dispute. But here's where it got really interesting because of course we rolled for, you know, things along the way. We encountered a burned out village with a singular ghost. And while uh, we have someone who can kind of commune a little bit, the ritual itself is costly and they didn't do, they didn't get a full success. So they were only able to calm the spirit. They weren't able to bring peace and justice. And that's just kind of like a new thing. Because like now we know that someone out there burned a village and left an angry spirit by the river. And we don't know what happened. And that could be something we investigate later. One of our people actually did swear an oath to investigate the mystery. So they get to now start making progress marks Whenever they're, whenever they take time to like look into and like ask around, like, "Hey, what happened to this place and this place, and you know, what what happened here?" Um, and basically, as as it came to my turn, my character being the one guiding us in that moment, I rolled my two uh, d my two uh, d tens to determine the outcome of us traveling, and I rolled. And had a, uh, a, a, not a weak hit. It was a, a miss, basically a miss, a failure. So I had to choose a problem that we are now encountering. And there's a bunch of stuff, you know, something more, it, it, introduce a complication to the story, basically, at this point is what this says. Now, I could have gone to the Oracle die, which is a D10 you roll, and it's just like, you know, hey, is this, is this a good option? And, and gone through that. But... Uh, one of the options you could select right there is we're too late. So we crested this final grassy hill and saw the city is basically completely torn apart and nearly destroyed by the infighting. It's like, you know, gangs of New York final battle already happened. You know, the pox on both your houses. There is no king to enforce the peace or something. It's just like this town has gone to shit. We heard from someone that, uh, you know, Romeo is dead and Juliet ran off to the circus. <laughs> and so that was just like one role. And then us continuing to try and tell this story to like, hey, you know, there is still a chance for a family to make peace here. Like you could still win the situation. You know, there's still a possibility for us to succeed. But it's very different than the initial thought of, oh, we're going to get in there and like, have the secret wedding and, and you know, do all the Romeo and Juliet things. It's just like, whoa, no, this all went terribly wrong. Um, so, so it sounds like um, there's a lot of options for this to be a more narrative style game. There's There's been a lot of debate in the community 
you know, lately about the Dragon game and, and what it is and what it isn't. You know, some people say it's 100% a combat game. Like, they spend most of their time talking about combat, and so it's a combat game. Would you say that this game more so has lends itself a lot easier to narrative because that's kind of what it sounds like how you guys played it at least and you said there was different types of dice you could roll to see how things happen so yeah to 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 be fair the game never really progressed unfortunately of course being an online game uh without a strong community to enforce it and primarily text-based, it was uh, really easy for people to flake and, and stall the action, and that basically takes everyone out of it. Um, but there is combat mechanics. Um, in fact, I have my, my character sheet pulled up here. Uh, you know, it, it, I do have, you know, there's a lot of, like, combat. You get talents uh, to do things a certain way. Like, uh, I, I had a talent, uh, Ironclad, which basically let me uh, choose whether to be lightly armored or geared for war and uh, that would allow me to be super protected or super fast or, or much faster with, with protection uh, and as well as like a sword master talent which allowed me to add some extra sauce to my hits or something but uh, there, there are combat mechanics there are you know some spell casting is, is a quote unquote option there's like scrying basically uh, where you can like see what you want to see to progress the story, basically. Um, but uh, if I'd say primarily, yeah, this is a this is a narrative game. Um, you're not really getting. It's not really big on positioning. It's just g more monster week, where it's general success or general failure, um, and and describe uh, what happens. So you know you have a mixed success. Maybe yeah, you strike out, but maybe you realize at this point that oh, now I'm flanked, uh, so you know the enemy gets an advantage or something, uh, some, something like that. It, it is very geared towards narrative, but I, I, I would say it's it has elements of you being able to build a character for fighting, and and being able to play into that. You can choose a path to be a slayer, like I did, and uh, which is something that's like supposed to excel at uh, taking down and hunting things. Like that's the specific type of problem that you're assigned, uh, that you're kind of more likely to take up. Other people can be like uh, augurs or devotants and, you know, herbalists. And they can try and primarily solve problems that way. And you can try and tell stories like that. But, you know, you can still day, hit shit if you really you can want. Still hit, you, can, you, you can always, <laughs> as always, there is a way for people to hit shit. Um, so what you're saying here is, is you went a slayer, and uh, there is a good narrative element. So all I'm hearing is we should take this system and we should make a demon slayer campaign. And You uh, could, like, something... <laughs> that this reminded me a lot of is banner saga like i don't know if you've gotten oh gosh from that. oh gosh did you Absolutely. uh did you figure me out that i, I did secretly... i did figure you now they do have a banner saga uh tcrpg i'm fairly certain or at least they ran a campaign in the banner saga universe and i, I agree I, I i constantly agree it's that same vibe of like life is dangerous and moving from place to place is a risk you have to calculate uh, especially uh, in, in you know the, the banner slogger where you have little 
you know, army of monsters descending from the north. Yeah, but there's definitely, yeah, like, I feel like going from that video game format to TTRPG format is very similar because, you know, at least with the actual video game, uh, you had the battles, you know, actual, like, tactical challenges that you had to deal with, but there's also lots of choices you had to make with diplomacy or to choose violence instead or to mediate uh, disagreements between people in your own clan that you're traveling with. And yeah, I think there's a lot of that element here too, at least by the way you describe the TTRPG. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's just really cool. Yeah, I, I, I do really, uh, I enjoy uh, the general gist of it because um, at first glance, I mean, you, you read through this and, and it's a lot of like, and then you can do this move and every time you reach a, a milestone or face a setback or face death, or, you know, suffering moves and things like fights are basically like do you get hit then like try and take that to the chest like it can get it can feel like you're kind of getting like caught in the nitty-gritty for some fights and why don't i just say oh well i got collapsed to the ground but there's a chance you might not there's a chance you like get hit you know you cut through the armor but you're able to like you know grind your teeth and push forward and i, th I think it could uh fit a world like the Banner Saga, uh, if not the exact story of it, very well. Um, there's a lot of uh, the, the experience and the way you level up and complete your oaths uh, is, is kind of interesting because you can make progress, uh, progress checks where basically uh, every time you do something, you can you know, make a cross through a, every time you make an oath, all right, so I, I have one. For, I'm looking at my character sheet now. Because of the Slayer, I just had to take an oath. Uh, you, uh, you always start with like a, a big overarching character oath because everyone wants to do something with their lives. Be recognized by a god. Mine was become famous for slaying a mythical creature. Um, and so uh, you can mark that. It's all in the player, especially when a cooperative format. Uh, these can range from troublesome, like, you know, I want to, I want to, like, kiss a girl or something to like dangerous to formidable to extreme to epic and uh you know because this is i marked this as an extreme because it's not an impossibility that i ever find a mythical creature um it's certainly a vaguely magical world that we exist in uh but it's definitely much more than just like a i'm gonna go hunt a giant bear on my own with a sword and then live to tell the tale or something this is like a mythical creature so you, you get a certain amount of ticks right off the the way so my, i only have two ticks and when i get when you get four ticks in a box it becomes a progress marker and when you want to kind of make a check to see how you're progressing maybe like try and move along in that way you roll your 2d10s and compare it to how many progress marks you have on that oath so if i had one progress marker i'd have to roll a one on either of the d10s to get even a weak hit and if you roll both your d10s below your marked amount then you get a strong hit which is usually going to result in like hey you picked up the trail or something that'll really help you can mark more progress now but you know it's it's obviously for for these bigger longer uh character defining journeys it's going to take a while but, you know, for, for a, I'm going to get the caravan from point A to point B, it could be a dangerous road. We can mark that as dangerous. 
So you start with two progress and then that progress meter becomes how far along the road have we gotten to the, to the next town. So, you know, it, it's, it's a very, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, this rule book seems very like needy, but on the other hand, it is kind of open-ended with some things and allows you to shift and adjust as needed. It's, it's a computer system, basically, is, is how I see it. It's a very good way for you to like, and I'm going to get these parts I like and just like ignore the rest. And these are gonna be flavored this way. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's good. You can always, I, it felt like a very unique experience um, being able to completely customize the world, but still have it be recognizable as, you know, the iron, an iron sworn-esque world. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm, well, I'm a big fan. RIP to, to your campaign, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll pour one out. <laughs> Shell, uh, shell sworn, got to the first uh, objective and then uh, ran into an NPC and we handed the ball to somebody and they decided they were just going to leave the country, I guess. <laughs> Hashtag save uh, shell sworn. We'll, we'll bring it back, repilot it. We could. So, we could. I still have the Discord app. <laughs> I, I have one, one last question for this. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned, you know... It's it's not quite as easy to do incredible things in this game as as the other dragon game, like slaying a dragon. So, how with the mechanics in mind would it go to try and slay a dragon in this system? So, I'm trying to. See, I don't know if they have a necess- necessarily a. Uh... A, a, a kind of like stat block for a dragon, uh, basically. I, I think it would be a uh, it, it would be kind of like a like a progress marker of a fight, where you're just like, now I'm in a fight. I'm going to start a new progress track and, and try to keep up with that. Kind of similar to a Powered by the Apocalypse clock system, you know, where you have to fill in the clocks. Um, so for this one, you do your enter the fray which could be a, a move for some people if they have a talent. So, you know, you can like enter a battle in a certain way, you know, either by establishing yourself as really get like ducking back and being able to shoot really quick or do something like that. Um, but uh, actually they have an example in the back here for fighting a, a wyvern. Um, you'd have to make a, so you'd roll a D6, then you'd add uh, whatever associated stats. So for instance, uh, it could be like, uh, the, the stats here are uh, edge, iron, heart, shadow, and wits. Um, now, uh, wits and heart are fairly self-explanatory, heart kind of being like your constitution slash bravery. Uh, well, no, heart kind of being like your constitution uh, shadow, uh, wits obviously being, you know, mental capacities and ability to like think quickly on your feet. Shadow kind of being like your stealthiness and general guile. Uh, edge kind of being like an intimidation factor. Uh, and iron, of course, being like constitution and like fighting prowess, like strength, like hard, hard uh, iron. Um, so, for instance, uh, if, you know, we need to. Uh, there's a bunch of different moves you could do and options. So you don't, you don't just like, I walk up and swing the sword. 
uh, in this option, in this way, they have a, I mean, to secure an advantage move. So uh, it'll allow me to, you know, uh, you can add plus your heart by charging into combat and add plus one and take plus one momentum on, if you, on the hit. So I roll my d6, I'd add uh, my heart, which in this case would be two, and then I'd add one. So uh, let's say I roll a four, I got a seven. That becomes the challenge. So then I take my two d10s and try to roll under uh, the seven. And however many I got, that could be uh, under seven, which is, you know, on a d10 is pretty good. Uh, will define how successful I am on doing that. And of course, the move itself has ways, has like a way to break down. Like if you succeed, it, it like monster of the week, you know, if you roll a hard hit, if you roll a weak hit, if you have a miss. Um, then, uh, you know, uh, you could do something like you basically, it, it, like it's like monster of the week. Depending on your success, you ha your enemy is able to do things to you. So you have to be aware of your supply, your spirit, and your health, and, and you'll get different penalties and come up with creative options for the wyvern to fight. Um, so the, the real question is, is what's, that, what's that dragon movie, like Ring of Fire or whatever? How, how similar is it to, to that movie? Can, you know, we, we get in some carriages with ballistas on them, you know, running around, taking down dragons. Probably <laughs> less, probably think less like that and probably think more like, uh, oh gosh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a, of a good example of like Iron Age people fighting mythical creatures. <laughs> it's more Beowulf. Oh it'd my be God. More, yeah. It'd be more, more Beowulf, Beowulf um, with, with like. We're going to send 30 guys out and one guy is going to live because he's an absolute badass. And, you know, because tw 20 guys got torched the first time this thing opened its mouth and breathed. But that could just be a reflection of your supply in that you've got a bunch of dudes with you to help attack. So you mark down the supply. And again, uh, and another cool thing to note when you're in a fight or in a conversation, you can gain momentum, which is to say success creates more success creates more success, and then you can spend the momentum to uh, get advantages. So you can hold on to things um, as your as things are going well. Um, and then it resets to a certain point, which I, I find very fun. Not to say, like, the system should always, uh, you know, hand out points for doing well and then, you know, make uh, defeat hard. But uh, I, I think there is something to be said about like, hey, I just cut into that guy pretty deeply. I don't think he's going to be able to swing back at me with full force because I, you know, yeah, put an axe in his chest. Um, it's going to be pretty hard for him to, you know, do his swirly dirty sword bits. But the same reflects the players, of course. If you get smacked in the chest, you are going to have a hard time uh, continuing to do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a system where obviously I I need to and want to play more because I need to understand the rules more and there there's definitely a, a lot to go through, um, and there's a lot more just beyond the book, uh, but it's it's a I think it's a game that's got a lot of good flavor, uh, and 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 a system that is familiar enough that people could grasp the general concepts very quickly, but uh, different enough that it could be a new experience. 
Nice. The movie is Rain of Fire, by the way. Mm. So I, I had Johnny Cash on the brain or something. Like <laughs> it was the thing that I Rain. thought of. I, I don't think it's the same movie, but I don't remember the name of it. But it was basically like Moby Dick, except with dragons. So they were like trying to find this big, like, white dragon that was killing everybody or something. Like, oh, I'm going to have to look it up again. Is that like Puff but... the Magic Dragon live action edition instead? No. <laughs> Age of Dragons. Maybe I I don't remember. I I think I've only seen it like once, but I vaguely remember something. I was like, wow, it kind of reminded me of that. You know? Yeah. A- age <laughs> Age know. of Age of the Dragons. Yeah. Fantasy themed reimagining of Herman Melville's classic. Yeah. Released there's... in 2011. It's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's not enough really good dragon movies if you really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you know they've kept making the Dragon Heart films. Dragon oh. Art? Dragon Heart. Oh, Dragon Heart. Uh, they have. Yeah, there's like Dragon Heart like five. I think okay. I think I've only seen the first one. I'm sorry, not Dragon Heart five. It's Dragon Heart Vengeance. Wow, 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Interesting. I did not know they were still making those. It's movies. an American British Romanian fantasy adventure. Oh, interesting. Well, I think uh, I should, instead of keeping with the theme for next episode, I'll just watch that, and the next episode will just be a review of that movie instead, and it'll make no sense. Well, you'll have to watch Sounds Dragonheart great. 1 through 4 as well. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a pretty so tall many. order. Dragonheart 6 is an upcoming uh, film as well. Bruh. Who, who's making them? Is, is it that one guy that just makes all those uh, really crazy movies and uh, people still give him money? Raphael De Laurentiis, nope, Italian not, film producer. Not who I was no, thinking not of. No, not NHL. Hey, hey now, hey now. Films that she's produced include Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, Dune, Prancer, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, all films in the Dragonheart series, The Forbidden Kingdom, and Cole the Conqueror. I think she just likes the, uh, you know, very... I, I'm trying to think of like the Conan the Barbarian esque uh, fantasy. You uh, you bowl is who I was thinking of. Oh, oh gosh, okay. yeah, he does video game stuff. <laughs> yeah, he he does a ton of adaptations and everything. You're just like, Ooh. hey, no, I I don't want to derail this, so we're not gonna get too into it. But listen, the only thing I will say is that I will never forgive him for what he did to Avatar: The Last Airbender. Why okay? Why did you even watch it? That was your first mistake. I just forget it I don't exists. Know. <laughs> People told me not to, and I didn't listen, and now I'm suffering the consequences. I just I just posted a picture to the to the chat here of, of the, the beautiful CGI they have uh, for the fifth Dragonheart oh my movie. God. No, what? what is that dragon's face? That's cursed. That's so it's, cursed. It's I hate not, that. It's, it's not like great. never ending story, but 2020. Oh, well. Like, it, is the secret is it never gets better oh my god it's all bad <laughs> but from i remember but sometimes like sci-fi will have or, or will have back to back i remember that and uh me and my dad were like oh yeah Dragonheart, we love this movie and then we went to watch something else and came back and just like Dragonheart three what is going and we check the guide and it just keeps going Dragonheart four Dragonheart five which what the hell is going on <laughs> You found the rabbit hole. Congrats. We found the rabbit hole. We thought there was just the one. He is not the last. There's more than one uh, 
dragon uh, movie. Four. Do you learn something new every day? Yeah, but some knowledge is best left forgotten. Well, I, I yeah. think uh, I think the next part of the conversation will probably have significantly less dragons, but who knows? You're right. Uh, mm -hmm. Heck, you you have a, a game or games to talk about as well, right? I do. I actually brought something a little different. It's technically not a self-contained game or set of games. Um, it's meant to go with other things but it definitely caught my eye because i haven't seen anything like it and that's part of the reason uh, but it's called romantic it is written by the wonderful lauren bryant monk uh and it is called uh did i already say the title romantic i did oh my goodness my brain is everywhere um the title for romantic is romantic but yeah it is a uh it is a system neutral set of microgames for asexual characters so if you don't know what microgames exactly are they're supposed to be uh just kind of a quick and easy to pick up game um the more notable self-contained ones uh are typically written uh like honey heist by grant howitt or lasers and feelings is another really popular one it's typically supposed to be within yeah about one page maybe two and yeah just easy quick to pick up uh, simple to play. Um, but yeah, what was really interesting about Romantic, in my opinion, was that it is meant to supplement characters, but it's still, you know, along the same rules of being easy to pick up. And there are six of these micro games, um, and they all talk about different uh, parts of the asexual spectrum. Um, from talking about gray sexuality to demisexuality, um, interactions between people and romantic partners um, and ace people, and um, some include dice, some don't even need dice. It's just, uh, it's really kind of open-ended um, in some of these. And I just, yeah, I just really love it uh, because it does such a good job at explaining each of these sexualities um and like yeah the very simple terms and i have actually like taken some of these pages to explain these different sexualities to other people just because it makes it so simple instead of like you know the complex uh gender theory or uh, sexual orientation theory or any of that it just kind of keeps it in this one page and is yeah, just very simple to explain to people. Um, so you're saying that it is a little more straightforward than the bird classes that you've been going through recently. Yes. And, yeah, uh... it's not It's not a whole study or anything. It's just, yeah, like a snapshot of, you know, this is the fundamental understanding of gray asexuality, or this is uh, the fundamental understanding of uh, aesthetic attraction. That's another really uh, big concept that can be hard for people to wrap their heads around so yeah aesthetic attraction is different from romantic or sexual attraction that kind of thing so yeah it really plays with all of these um and yeah i as soon as i read these it's like this is perfect this is they do such a good job um and yeah like this uh going through each of these like uh I, and I love the names for some of these too like uh to talk about grace asexuality it's uh the state of grace um and it's you know gray it's it's very good uh but that's you know a game where you roll a 2d6 um to 
Uh, every time you encounter someone you could potentially be sexually attracted to, uh, roll 2d6 to find out if you are. And it's like, it's very much a um, Powered by the Apocalypse, like, uh, different uh, tiers of, uh, not really, I wouldn't say success, but just different tiers of outcomes, basically. Um, and just, yeah. Uh, so. Bunch of stuff like that. Being, being a collection of micro games, and you've, you've already mentioned how they do a really good job of explaining um, each, you know, spectrum of the asexuality. Uh, is that kind of the main purpose of each game, or is it kind of just like twofold? You get the really good explanation, but then the game is also, you know, being able to put into whatever you want, really. Um, I mean, a mix of both. Uh it's not, you know, explicitly said in the book, you know, like the whole like theory behind everything. That it's mostly just to, uh, you know, take from these games what you want with uh, your asexual character. Uh, but in the back of the book, uh, there actually is there are resources listed. You know, ace characters for beginners. Um, so uh, lots of uh, various. Um, sites and stuff like there's uh, a language primer uh in the back of the book there is an asexual visibility education network linked back there um and so if people do want to learn more there are the resources for people to do so um but for the purposes of these micro games um it's just kind of what you want to take from it um, and what you want to learn about your character or not learn about your character. Just kind of, yeah, its own thing. Awesome. It's just meant to supplement and not really dictate, I guess. Yeah. Well, you, you told you told us one title, so now I feel like you have to go through all the other uh, great, the <laughs> okay. great titles. <laughs> okay. Um, well, cool. Uh, so, yeah, the first one is The State of Grace. And as someone who identifies as gray asexual, it's, uh, it's just so good. I... They they oh, they nailed or they hammered the nail on the head there. It's just it's so good. Um, just yeah, based on the different uh, tiers of outcomes. Um, but uh, yeah, the second one is demisexual in distress. <laughs> That's a game for when your demisexual character has formed a close and emotional bond with another person that they could be sexually attracted to, and so that. Um, is I don't think this is a dice game either. Yes, yeah, it's not in the direction. Or yeah, yes it is. Um, it's rolling a d6. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> it just some of the dialogue for it is just so good. It's like uh, if you roll a six on that. Oh no, they're hot now. Have they been this hot the whole time? What do you do with the? Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> it's just oh god! Oh god! Four times. Wonderful. It's, it's so good. Um, that's that one. Um, there is uh, Ace Blindness, so a game when someone is flirting with your character. So you roll a 2d6 to see the different outcomes of whether your character notices that or not. Uh, the variant being, uh, was it a date? So use these rules when your character spends time alone socially with another person. Replace, uh, they were flirting with, it was a date. Um, again, just very relatable. <laughs> That's so relatable. Um, so some of these games, at least one of them does have uh, a slight content warning, um, 
with uh, mentions of uh, unenthusiastic consent or internalized aphobia. Um, that is something, uh, if you are interested in looking at this game, um, if you identify as asexual, or that's really not something you want to uh, be exposed to. That is something to keep in mind uh, when downloading this game. Um, so yeah, that one is, uh, I guess, uh, we won't talk about that one too much just in case uh, for podcast reasons. Um, but uh, this uh, this other one, the next one, is maybe my second favorite. It's a shoujo anime, and it is, uh, it is a game that does not require dice. It's just a game for when you and another character admit their romantic love for each other, and it's just it's just very good. They just hold hands or hug, and that's it. That's the game. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the title again? Uh, shoujo anime. Alright. Uh, I feel like there's something there that based on the word i'm not getting so See, I, do you know I'm any not, deeper i'm not super in that community either so i really don't so, know so so uh, i looked it up uh or, or romanticized or are also uh romanticized uh literally means young woman so i'm pretty sure it's a uh young woman amongst a harem of potential bachelor types um Oh, rather, uh, sorry, sorry. Shoujo apparently does not compromise a style or genre, but indicates a target demographic. Mm. So anime is particularly related to high school or early life, or early professional life romances. Okay, I feel like that's something I should have know? known, but I'm I'm not <laughs> deep enough in, in the weeb territory yet. Uh, we, sh we should yeah. have invited a weeb consultant uh, <laughs> onto this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Um, and then the last one of what I was talking about with uh, a game dealing with uh, aesthetic attraction, which is this whole other concept. Um, that is, uh, it's also very good. And this actually doesn't require dice either. Um, you could, because, uh, you know, there's seven, there's seven different things. Uh, there are different outcomes that uh, you could do here. But uh, uh, it's just so good. And also, it uh, has the word heck. Edit, so it's just very good um but yeah when you see a good looking visual uh, individual um you could appreciate the heck out of the way they look or uh look at those arms can you imagine the hugs they could give and just like uh all of them all of the outcomes are just really good with that um and yeah i don't know um i just this really caught my eye because there are not really many other resources out here for uh, ttrpgs like this um so yeah i just wanted to talk about it yeah yeah i feel there's i feel there's kind of two two main reasons why you know a collection of games like this are super important uh firstly i think one of the ways that you can learn about people and different experiences and things like that is to play games with them um or be exposed to games centered around them instead of, you know, yourself. So, uh, I guess it's a really short and cheesy way to say that TTRPGs can teach you a lot about the human experience uh, if you go out there and play different games. Um, you know, Dungeon Bitches uh, being one of them that is really kind of centered around you know, different experiences or even trauma and things like that that 
can happen to uh, femme characters or players or however you want to see that. And the second is, and you've kind of seen some of this discourse during uh, Pride, is the even in Pride and the LGBTQ plus community, there can sometimes not be acceptance of everyone. You know, like there's some viral tweets that talk about how someone was said, oh, just because you're ace or whatever, like why why are you included in the queer community and, and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely, yeah, that's still something that's happening. And yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, yeah, I, you know, have uh, met multiple people that, yeah, like seriously thought that, you know, people of my sexuality don't have a place in the LGBT community or really anywhere. And that changed sometimes, like when I come when I came along, but, uh, you know, at least in their life, but, uh, sometimes it doesn't like, I, I had friends that it took a while after I came along for them to finally kind of understand it and change that opinion a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a growing process, I think. Um, but, yeah. uh, Okay, there eventually, this was, uh, this year was the first uh, asexual visibility day, or the first year that we had it, so uh, that was really cool, I I really like that, so uh, we're getting there. (laughs) Nice, that's awesome, I guess, I guess a good way to put it in perspective is, it's, it's important to see games that allow to different experiences just as much as it's important to see different stories in movies or or books or things like that like if you stick with only movies that are you know specifically geared toward your demographic and you know stick within your bubble then you'll you'll never learn about the experiences of other people uh and the more movies and books and games and everything we have that kind of tackles those and exposes uh those themes to more people then i feel uh the more accepting people will be because sometimes it's just out of um you know not being knowledgeable or uh things they've you know learned from from growing up and and things like that so I, th- I think it's really, really cool to have those type of games. Yeah, even if uh, right now it's just uh, it's a set of micro games, which I shouldn't say just a set of micro games. This is incredibly helpful. This is, again, a very valuable resource that I have not seen anything else like it. Um, but yeah, the more, uh, the closer we get to having something, yeah, you know, like kind of in the center of the game too, think will be the better too awesome i think i think uh oh no the the obs froze see this is why we have dual recording (laughs) uh what i think this this fancy little program here is still working but why did obs freeze like our video preview and everything is still good but some of the other stuff froze well we'll see what happens with that interesting Anyways, um, well, heck, technology freaking derailed my uh, brain. Oh, I was just going <laughs> to say, I think uh, Dungeon Bitches as well has uh, asexual representation, doesn't there it? There is. Okay. There is. Um, and uh, after uh, our playtest on TPK, um, 
since then, uh, there have been, you know, updates to the game, updates to the book. Like, Kickstarter uh, backers got, you know, another preview version uh, of the book. And I saw that there are, uh, like, more uh, social intimacy moves now that are different from the specific sex move per class. There are specific interactions that each architect can do that are social intimacy moves that are completely different which i yeah really like because that really helps that uh that asexual representation show up more uh, mechanically uh in comparison because that was that was something that we talked a little bit about uh in the group after the tpk playtest that it, it, it was harder to show up mechanically um if you uh or ace and that's not really something that you're into um so yeah to add that subset of things i think really helps with that so yeah there there is a lovely uh, section on uh, asexual representation in the game too so uh be on the lookout for that when the book comes out because uh it's really good um i like it quite a bit awesome so the part of the podcast where I uh, put you guys on the spot and ask you a question I didn't prepare you for oh boy. Uh, is, is how we're going to wrap it up. So uh, hopefully we can keep this as part of every episode um, and maybe in the future we'll have people submit questions. Uh, but this is the section called There's an RPG for That. Ah, look, he said the name, he said the thing. <laughs> Roll credit. Uh, <laughs> so there was, a, there was a viral tweet, I think, yesterday or the, the day before, uh, that was talking about how this person wished that there was a popular TTRPG that wasn't about fighting and killing things. Um, now, popular being kind of, you know the hard part there D D obviously has some of the most airtime and and the most representation and and it's you know the game that everybody knows um but i know for sure there are some newer ones that are becoming popular uh that are non non-violent ttrpgs so if you had to pick one that is explicitly non-violent or could easily be which game would you guys pick so are we are we talking about popular games or see that see that's the hard part like, is... like i don't know these <laughs> yeah, games right. that are apparently non-violent technically there there is the caveat of any. popular but the thing is is if we talk about these non-violent games then they'll become more popular aha so we just gotta um, talk about them yeah no something like off top of my head at least uh, i would say camp flying moves um we've uh we've played that with the coven before um written by the lovely alicia furness um and it is a game about uh, campers uh, finding cryptids out by uh the camp flying moves and uh making friends with them but it is explicit in the gm instructions or the camp counselor instructions that's that's the name of the gm um to you can scare the girls, but you explicitly cannot hurt them. That is not allowed in the game. Um, that is, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess like since they're playing like young adults, that would be really strange. But yeah, that, that is explicitly a non-violent game where yeah, like you're you're just trying to understand, you know, what's what's wrong with these uh, 
poor cryptids out there kind of turn those stereotypes on their heads and uh, make friends. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, that was the first one. That yeah, came up. And, and Camp Flying Moose, like, this is where I was kind of saying it gets kind of hard because what really is popular? Like, is exactly. it only... It's a, it's a very relative term. Yeah, is it only mainstream or is it, like things that are well known within the community and i think part of this tweet also talked about people um playing or uh doing actual plays of them so like live or on video and at tpk i feel we've done at least a small handful of of non-violent systems so i mean we're out here playing them can can we be popular yet please <laughs> see i'm trying to think of like yeah the non-violent games that we've non-violent. played other than that <laughs> yeah i, I feel like, like there's i, I mean one, i, I, I would give it, but... points to dungeon bitches and say that it can easily be non-violent i don't think the the episode that we had can be labeled that because there were nope. some really really awesome <laughs> like moments of violence and justice <laughs> um <laughs> I, I have another one as well, but Turk Turk has uh, been thinking over here. Let's see if he's oh, found anything. Oh, I've been thinking. I've been thinking because a lot of a lot of what I do isn't uh, a lot of what I have rather is is you know at least regarded in some way to violence. Um, though choose violence. Call of Cthulhu could come to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of skills in there that don't revolve around fighting, and oftentimes fighting is the bad option uh, in some cases um because the the threat so to speak is is so great but it's not to say that fighting is is impossible and usually uh, i will end in either a chase or a or a, a fight where you'll have to work your way out and, and make some brawl or dodge checks but it's certainly not the whole point of the game you are investigating you are doing what you can you know more akin to performing rituals. So it's certainly possible to pacifist a Call of Cthulhu game uh, entirely. Uh, I'm trying to think of other options. Um, Electric Bastion Lands. Yeah, that, uh, that is, would be yeah. that, that you know, you definitely don't need to fight. It, it's certainly everyone has wacky enough abilities and items and everything that you could just, you know, get your way out of things if you roll well. Um into the Void is one I recently backed, um, where I'm pretty sure the main gist of that is a captain going around a la Mass Effect 2, creating their crew, and everyone saying what they're... And basically having a bunch of one-on-one scenes of like trying to get everyone back and getting ready to go into the suicide run, but I'm not certain there's a ton of actual uh, you know, combat mechanic in there. Um, also, there are some uh, solo RPGs, actually, mm-hmm. that are, are non-violent. Uh, the Wretched comes to mind as, as the, the best one, where I actually have... Oh, I'm going to kind of see if I can twist my, my camera here. You can't, <laughs> see it. you can't see my Jenga tower I've built. But all, it's like Dread, uh, which is another option, of course, but Dread typically will have some kind of pressing situation, um, again, where you're running or fighting uh, to run away, uh, where... Uh, you are the last, the wretched is, you are the last survivor from an alien encounter uh, on a ship. The alien is now outside the ship. You're pretty sure it's still alive. You don't know. Uh, the entire ship shut down and you got to find a way to live. Uh, so you draw from a deck of cards each day 
and uh, each of those cards indicates a different thing going wrong or thing you're experiencing or thinking about and you draw a tile from the tower and if you make it through you make a little video journal about it uh, and you're trying to survive but there's a very good chance you're not going to um, either and uh, this guy oh gosh let me find let me make sure give credit to the guy who actually uh, did this uh, Chris Bissett. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he's done The Wretched. Uh, he's also done Assassin, Last Girl. Um, he, he's done a bunch of really cool uh, stuff. Um, pretty sure he's part of the Halo RPGs community. <laughs> yes. I, I'm I pretty sure that's how that. I know who he is. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's a very cool solo uh, TTRPG experience. Uh, I think it's uh, got a really cool stuff. So yeah, Final Girl, Hope is Not a, not a Plan, Go Alone, The Sealed Library. Um, he's written a lot of uh, individual uh, solo RPG things, which are pretty cool. It's big journaling energy, very uh, get into your own head and just live as a character for a little bit, which can it's been really fun uh, to kind of explore that. So awesome! I feel like we actually have already come up with more than I imagined, um, <laughs> and as well, uh, I looked up kind of like the fifteen most popular TTRPGs, and one of them listed was uh, Bubble Gumshoe. So right, yeah. That's that's like a Nancy Drew esque mm-hmm. style, just sleuthing game. Um, that's uh, that's something that we've considered for the coven, but uh, the ages are just, or the ages of the characters are just a little young, so we're a yeah. little worried about that. Um, but yeah, no, very cute game. Um, one of the other ones that's kind of right in front of us that we've already talked about this episode is Honey Heist. Like, I I would say that can it it can be violent. It doesn't have to be. But yeah, it usually goes that way. <laughs> Look at VK do crime. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not killing people most often though. We're not but killing people, but yeah, we did, you, you know, take down a security guard. So like, <laughs> listen, you just you know just knock them out for a little bit. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, the, put some duct tape. <laughs> the game that I uh, found, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know too much about this game, but I have seen it around a couple times. I saw a supplement someone created, so I was like, oh, this is perfect. Uh, it's called Wander Home, and uh, it's a game by Jay Dragon and Possum Creek Games. I'll, I'll go ahead and just read kind of the first uh, paragraph here. Wanderhome is a pastoral fantasy role-playing game about traveling animal folk, the world they inhabit, and the way the seasons change. It is a game filled with grassy fields, mossy shrines, herds of chubby bumblebees, opossums in sundresses, salamanders with suspenders, starry night skies, and the most beautiful sunsets you can imagine. Uh, I will say I can't... uh, for certain say that there's no violence in this but i'm fairly positive you can easily not have any mm-hmm. and the supplement i saw is someone made a class called the painter uh it's a it's a playbook so i i think they use playbooks in wander home um and you're you're just a, a fancy little animal painter you know you, you... it's like 
So like, it's Humblewood, but like contained in its own system. <laughs> yeah. I really like that, actually. Yeah, not 5e, so. It's the... not 5e, it's its own system with playbooks and stuff. But I, I really like that approach in comparison, honestly. Yeah, the art is the art is so incredibly cute, so I'll, I'll link it into our <gasps> chat there. Oh, I think I've seen that art before. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think, yep. yeah, I think I've vaguely seen this before. Yep, and there's... Uh, is this the same uh, company that made Root? Possum Creek, did they make Root? Mm, well, let's find out. Uh, sorry to those listening right now. You're going to hear just, you know, more more clicking and whatnot at click, this click. moment because I'm, you know, looking things up. Uh, so it looks like related uh, to at least J-Dragon... Uh, is Wander Home, Sleepway, Uncanny, uh, Esoteric, The Flower Court, and uh, yeah, just a, a bunch of games. Okay. Wickedness, House LARPs. Um... Oh, no, Root was from Magpie Games. Okay. okay, I was just like, wait a minute, because yeah, uh, Magpie Games had me Velvet Glove, and that's why I do them. Okay. Yeah, Velvet Glove is not really uh, something I include for the non-violent RPGs because that, it, there's usually violence. It's it's about '70s girl gangs. Um, there's usually violence. Yeah, I I would also say I have 100% run more than one session of D and D with absolutely no violence. So, I mean. The, that's created like even more discourse over the past couple days of you know. If if you're a game designer and you don't play your game the way you designed it, then you're a bad game designer. Or if you don't follow the rules, then play a different game. Which fair, I definitely want to tell other people. I want to tell people to play, you know, different games and whatnot. But uh, I'm also a huge uh, supporter of breaking all the rules and just having fun and. and doing what you need to do well, yeah it's like the people that are you know like always like well stick to raw and everything is like obviously haven't read the beginnings of most of these books like the player's handbook that say all of these rules are technically optional like you can do whatever you want with this like you can throw out rules you can keep all of them just kind of do whatever like this is all expensive Explicitly said in like the front of all of these books. Mm-hmm. I mean, 5e was built with the purpose of being super accessible and, and mm-hmm. much more open, especially than 4, which was a war game, uh, basically. Uh, and, you know, it, it, as much as people will like balk at the level of complexity, but even Pathfinder um, has, you know, bits in it for like, hey, you can make whatever rules you want. It's a role playing game, not a Bible. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like the it's like the sign, like like please stop or don't. I'm a sign, not a cop. <laughs> oh. No one's gonna bust down your door and put, you know, like be like, oh, you you rolled a d20 when you should have been rolling a d100 for Kalu. You're coming down to the station with me. <laughs> like no one's gonna like uh, who would honestly, as long as everyone's having fun, what's the harm in breaking a few rules? Yep, I, I think at the at the end of the day and near the end of of the podcast here, it's important to find people that like to play things that you like, and uh, you can always find someone to play 
a game that you're interested in or play the game that you love uh, in the way that you're interested in. So you don't you don't have to be stuck doing the same thing always. Mm-hmm. Well, my dog is uh, starting to snore. My tummy <laughs> is starting to rumble. And uh, I think that about does it for the first episode. Uh, we'll see if it ever makes it to a second episode. Uh, so, you know, to the ten people probably listening, let, <laughs> let me know what you liked about the format. Let me know if you have any questions. And for next episode, if you ever have thought, I wish there was a TTRPG for this blank thing, uh, ask us those questions and we will answer it in the lovely There's an RPG for that segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've decided that I might make a golf uh, RPG. So uh woke up at 6 a.m. and just thought, what if you could golf in in RPGs. So would it mm interesting. <laughs> Stay tuned for that as well. Uh thank you Turk and Sir Heck. Is there is there anything you want to say before we end today? Uh thank you so much for having us on. Obviously yeah. uh, this has been something uh, you're very passionate about and we're um I'm you know I think I can speak for both of us that we're both very glad that you, uh, you you thought of us when you're putting it together. Um, yeah, uh, anyone listening, uh, TTRPGs are just the primal state of uh, entertainment that we've been doing for millennia as human beings, of sitting around a campfire and telling fun stories. And whether that be uh, ex- single-player exploration things, of trying to figure yourself out, or a group you know, uh, rotating story or a guided adventure by one person and you're all players and, you know, more traditional modern day, uh, TTRPG stuff. It's, you know, it's all stories. It's all anyone ever really is. So just have fun and tell good stories and things that are meaningful to you. They don't have to mean anything to anyone else. You know, my D and D adventures won't matter to really anyone else, but they're special to me. So go out and tell stories that matter to you. Yeah, I don't think I could have said that better. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, uh, tell your story, speak your truth. And um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, Thanks for having us, Cole. Yeah, thank you guys for joining. And uh, this is the first recording, and I don't even have all the accounts or anything yet or how I'm going to do it. So (laughs) I'm sure I'll have this everywhere. So wherever you're listening, uh, reach out leave us a comment uh google tpk roleplay and join our cult i mean uh organization <laughs> and uh have a wonderful day and play more uh indie ttrpgs please follow us on facebook and subscribe via itunes This episode would not be possible without the support of our listeners, patrons, and sponsors. If you'd like to learn more about supporting the 3-Bit Gamer Show, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash 3BG. 
And a huge thanks goes out to our boss-level patrons, Jeff, Christopher, and Patrick. My father's final words were, Love her as I loved her, and there will be joy. I present to you your queen. Queen Blizzard Games. Why do you do this? Because you had a lovely game studio in your hands and you gave it up! But they would have killed Warcraft if I hadn't done it. Your true fans live and you merge with another! True fans saved her at BlizzCon and she treated them like garbage! And that's what she is! The Queen of Refuse! So bow to her if you want! Bow to her! Bow to the Queen of Slime! The queen of filth, the queen of putrescence, boo, boo, rubbish, filth, slime, muck, boo, boo. Welcome to the Three Bit Gamer Show. I'm JD. This is Peterson, and this is Trent. And boo, <laughs> dude, I got to give kudos to JD because he nailed that old dude, drone. So good. <laughs> I just, just a testament to how many it. times I've seen that film. It's just burned into my my memory. Dude, that's the part when JD's in his car. That's the part he's doing on his own. He's yeah. memorized that he's memorized that monologue and he does it in the vehicle by himself. Every time something happens on like TV that Jonathan disagrees with, he just screams at just it like that. In general. Life. Dude, that's just going through my head. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Someone does roll down your I, window. I disagree with <laughs> politically. I'm like Boo! That's all I want to say. If I'm going to cost people in, in public, that's all I'm going to do is just boo them. Live from the Three Big Gamer Show. The news. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our news this week is brought to us by Crave Cookies. Cannot wait. The Cronola Bears Bliss. Oh, my God. Trent. <laughs> Two granola cookies in a row. Did I die and go to heaven? Dude, you said you said you wanted more oatmeal-y stuff. And so it's like, okay. So it. more oatmeal-y stuff. And there's this another is, oatmeal-y thing next week. This is the then dream. we'll take a break from oatmeal-y. Having even the slightest influence for the <laughs> that I'm buying on a weekly basis is really nice. I'm like a, I'm like a regular. This is what it feels like. A regular. The Cronola Bliss. Go to CraveCookies.com. Check this thing out. Crave oatmeal cookie dough base as dried cranberries, white chocolate chips, granola, and a white chocolate drizzle. I made granola for the first time a couple weeks ago. If you're on the 3-Bit Discord, which you should be, we have an Eats channel where I bragged about my granola. Dude, this is a lot of like what Dude, I put in my granola. Granola is so this good. Is the dopest thing ever, but you made it a cookie. Yeah, it sounds amazing. This one's one of my favorites. So you guys go there. They've also got the they brought back the Biscoff Explosion um, and the Cinnarol Pop Tart, the baked butter beer. If you're feeling Harry Pottery, it's his birthday this week. It's Harry HP's birthday. Send him a sock and a hanger. Yeah. Uh, Also the chocolate cream pie, which is super super dope. Uh, So check it out. It has a cram cracker in it. Like get real uh cravecookies.com they're midvale utah get your crave on crave 
Uh, all right, guys, this news this week is just five Ooh. stories, and it's going to take us just, a fucking just a hour. Bummer. <laughs> None of them good, so buckle up. <laughs> this, this had better be the last of them. I grow weary of slaying such filth, and your gold is running thin, zealot. Your tongue doesn't cut nearly as deeply as your blade cell sword. Silence yourself and prepare to dispatch this vile creature. It's just around here, in the, in the old church house. It's been abandoned a hundred years, but then it moved in. Brought with it nothing but pain and misery and death. Assassins and pirates, far cries, divisions, not to mention when they took old Thomas Clancy. Oh, what they did to Thomas was a right crime. What's the beast called? Don't let its name cross your lips. Ain't nothing more I can do to hurt me. Bastard calls itself Ubisoft. You fool. You've spoken its unholy name and summoned it right to us. You'll owe me double for this, priest. Just buy me time enough to cast a union summoning spell. Over here! Get inside the church! It knows we're here. So make sure not to say anything. Priest! Begin the ritual! It's done. Finish off the creature. It's done. Are you certain? This is no normal beast. (laughs) You zealots are all the same. You speak of these creatures like they're gods, beyond the reach of mere mortal men. Let me tell you this, priest, and remember it well. They can bleed. They can die. And Ubisoft is dead. Anyone paying like the 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 slightest attention to video game news uh, in the last couple weeks has probably seen a little bit that basically it just seems like not unlike the climate right now around the entire world. It seems <laughs> like the the AAA video game industry is just in constant turmoil and everywhere, and no one is free from this. Uh, and so we'll start here with Ubisoft. Ubisoft is not having a great year after last year of not having a great year, which came on the heels of another not great year. When we say not great year, we mean news wise, game wise, they actually did pretty well. Made hundreds of millions of dollars, <laughs> didn't give redistribute any of that to their but employees. they didn't do very well. Yeah. 
But um, in but in, terms in terms of like of the news, public are... perception of this Yeesh. company, yes, uh, they they you know had their own Me Too movement. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast, and guess what? It continues. But first, we'll start with uh, something that's that guys. This is there's no there's only small amounts of sexual harassment in this story. So kudos. I guess. Things are looking up. <laughs> Headline: First, it was an Assassin's Creed expansion. Now it's Ubisoft's eight-year nightmare. At first, I was like going to pass on this story, honestly, because we've talked about Skull and Bones. We've kind of yeah. talked about it to death. We mocked it endlessly. Um, but this story uh, coming out of Kotaku gives a lot more context, and so I just kind of wanted to touch on it. Um, Peterson, do you want me to just give like kind of the the, the Reader's the, Digest the in like skinny. two minutes of this. Yes, give us the skinny. Okay, so Skull and Bones. This deve- The development of this game began back in 2013. It was a multiplayer expansion to Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. I had no Sounds idea. Sounds fun. No idea. But that was going to come out as a post-launch update. Trent's right. Sounds dope. Um, and so some say that despite how well these E3 blowouts they had were received, the game never actually existed. So not unlike Anthem, which was just a bunch of gameplay demos that weren't really reflective of what was actually going on behind the scenes. Skull and Bones never had a clear creative vision behind it. They suffered from too many managers vying for power, and they were plagued by uh, almost annual reboots and mini refreshes. Remember, keep in mind that this game was coming out at the tail end of the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One's life cycle. So there's a lot of changing technologies. And when your game is in flux and not really going anywhere, you're like, oh, well, let's fucking try a new technology. And that adds another six months of development time. But who cares? Because the game's not going anywhere. Fundamental questions like, quote, do you play as a pirate or play as a boat? We're constantly closed and reopened. I remember I talked about this game over the course of a couple of years on X96, and I have reported multiple things that it was going to be a game where you played as a boat and then a game where you played as a pirate. And I just, people must think I'm fucking crazy that go, that only hear me like once a month. They're like, this JD guy is just making up stuff. Because I think we talked about that game two years ago and you were just a boat. Uh, they asked, apparently, they started asking the entire team, this is recently, they started asking the entire team for the first 2016 design documents because they just wanted to do that again. We are literally at full circle here. Five years later, they're like, yeah, let's just go back literally to the very first stuff we had. They have hundreds upon hundreds of people at this studio, Singapore, Ubisoft Singapore, who are working on multiple disparate things and have been for like eight full years. Just random shit doing just someone's working on the the ship mechanics here someone's building like a pirate island named libertalia over here that's going to get scrapped and they're spending so much time on this uh (laughs) the the this is a good quote from the article that i pulled out quote this is from one of the developers it's one of the only projects i've seen where we as we were going the team became more and more junior because all the talent and all the experience would leave constantly. People would learn about the project, see how it works and everything around it, and then leave. It was constant. So they have nonstop overturn while they can't get a grip on the game. According to three sources, the project has already cost Ubisoft more than $120 million. And that just keeps going up because guess what? 
just like everyone else in the video game industry, these people's salaries are based on bonuses. Well, if the game doesn't come out for eight fucking years and you want to keep your staff actually working on that game, well, you have to give them like a fake bonus. Like we give farmers subsidies, which is just like free money for actually not really doing anything. So the games don't release, they don't have payouts. So they just throw money at this, this problem. And uh, on top of all of this, on top of all of this, Ubisoft Singapore, their entire existence is predicated on a deal with the Singapore government. Yes. $75 million. No, wait. No, it was a much larger loan than that. They hundred. It was like $150 million loan from the Singapore government. And it requires them to A, hire a set amount of employees and B, release a set amount of games. They came swooping in on a prayer and a promise that they were going to just completely reinvigorate the, the game development's scene in singapore and they were going to be an anchor for all this stuff and this is what they've done with it so they have to release these games uh they have to release something they have like, to legally yep. they're they are bound to release something and i guarantee this would have already been shut down years ago because who, who I, I just who's this game for now who's who's I just the developer singapore the it's government too big to fail like the u.s banks Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A game too big to fail. Oh man, this has this, happened before. You've this seen this. Nightmare. Do you guys remember a game called Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning? Yeah, Kurt Schilling's game with Thirty Eight Studios, which existed exclusively to make this one game, and it was made created by a seventy-five million dollar loan from the government of Rhode Island. Uh, they made the game. They had to get it out. They they just forced it out, and it was like actually a pretty good game. And then well, that they was just it. re-released. Studio it. exploded. Yeah, and so it's like, no, oh, holy shit. Uh, I wonder who owned the rights to it. Wild. Um, so yeah, that's this game. But so I'm not. Let's let's not even ruminate on that because let's get into the real problems. The real problems at Ubisoft Singapore. Ah, uh, like this is like you see in a movie and the guys go down into the sewer and like don't go in the fucking water don't walk in the water <laughs> don't go in there there's a poop floating right on the top no, Ew, walk along the, the side the poop don't. is an indicator of what is what is mostly in the water the story i just read you is the poop folks we're about to just hop in the river and i will tell you everything in the river that is wrong with ubisoft singapore uh here's the headline again from kotaku the messy stalled reckoning at an Assassin's Creed co-developer. Uh, this is all about the regular uh, I, I, sexual harassment, uh, just general misogyny. I feel like that kind of covers everything. It was just like routine discrimination against women. Uh, this guy, Hughes Record, who I believe we've spoken about before, he was the main motherfucker behind all of this. And through this, through this eight year period was progressively promoted despite having all of these HR complaints against him, women quitting directly and attributing that they're quitting to him. Dude, he, JD, it's too expensive for them to fire these people. Didn't you remember from last week? It's too expensive. They can't have that sort of turnover. That's what yeah, they said. because I keep forgetting <laughs> That the sexual harassment is a perk of the job. Uh, for comes these with dudes. territory. Dude, this motherfucker, they still didn't fire him. He is currently at Ubisoft. He is he was promoted after all of this. All of this shit. Eight years as a failed like studio head, 
and and all a million HR complaints, stories, international press covering multiple stories. You've got people in America, in France, in China, all writing stories about this one motherfucker. And you're like, would you like a promotion? Oh, we oui, we oui. a He's promotion like, to Ubisoft. To a, to a better my... position. From you will be production intelligence director for the entire company. Oh, huge, you will reach the top. Dude, they uh, uh, by the way, I don't that accent was like a mishmash of like three different accents. I loved it. <laughs> um No dude, dude I'm tapped. I am yeah, we can't out. do we can't do much more voiceover <laughs> work. Um but yeah, no, this guy essentially got to do got to do a uh eight year, what was it, eight years? Is that how long he was in Singapore? And and it's not just eight him. Year... Like he's always got the the people that he promoted and the people that he like groomed were people that did this and Right, but they 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 paid for him to go live in Singapore for eight years. Yeah. Paid him well, and then yeah. they're like, All right, time to come back. You're your little vacations over. Come back like, home. I want to go live in Singapore for eight years on Ubisoft and just time. be like a fucking degenerate. I, I don't want to do that part of it, but <laughs> it's I part mean, of the deal, dude. You're working at Ubisoft. You want to fit in? That's why I don't have around. a job at Ubisoft, <laughs> dude. Like this. Slap a butt. I don't know. Slap a butt. Slap a butt or two. See how it feels. See if that aligns with like your own personal morals. <laughs> um. See what you just give it a little test. Give test a little slap. Tap. Yeah. You see how you like it. You get like a queasy feeling in your stomach, and you're like, oh my God. Oh, this my job conscience. not for you. Not your thing. But hey, if you're like, wow, that was empowering, I feel like doing that more. Well, Ubisoft is the place for you, folks. Should I slap more butts? <laughs> oh, man. This butt slapping thing is great. Guys, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed at Ubisoft Singapore. Nothing will change. They just replaced Record. They found some other fucking white guy from Ubisoft Winnipeg, and they just shipped him out there. He's 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 he was at Ubisoft Winnipeg with like a hundred people, and they're like, "White dude, speak French. Get on the plane. <laughs> Get on the plane." And he's over here like warming up his hand on the flight. He's like, "I'm gonna grab so many butts. I cannot wait." His hands like ready. He's yeah been so moisturizing that, his hand for like three months to get ready for this yeah because ultimately him being uh ready and and able to lead a gigantic studio like ubisoft singapore to put together a project of this size and scope and just general buggery uh they don't even know what it is jd i guarantee there was one guy who was like wait so are we playing as the boat or the pirate, and then they're like, "Not this again!" Oh my Not god, we told again. you, Henry, you're the fucking sales. He's like, "No, I only brought this up because what if, what if the ocean was the real character?" And they're like, "All right, conference room now. Conference. We're bashing this out again because you know what? That's a fucking awesome idea, and I want you to talk more about it. So, look, let's get in the conference room and flash this out. Everything we've seen about this game so far is essentially." A concept pitch. They have nothing. <laughs> That's exactly what Anthem was. You remember this? Yes, exactly. it was just concept. But it was such a good concept pitch. <laughs> it was a great concept. Oh, it got pitch. me so good. That's the thing. Maybe you guys. Maybe there is a niche in media here. It's like called like disappointing video game uh, media, where you it's just my, like make favorite media. Just make fucking trailers for games that are just never going to come out. And maybe the act of doing this will help people like come to grips with the fact that they'll never see these games and they won't demand them and they'll just be 
content with seeing the anthem trailer at E3 of a game that never, ever actually existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe that's what you guys should get into. All right. Well, um, that I think so. Yeah. And then the last thing on Ubisoft, which the hits just keep coming on these guys. Uh, Ubisoft has lost another of their Assassin's Creed developers. Assassin's Creed franchise art director Raphael Lacoste has left Ubisoft after 16 years of butt smacking goodness. I, I don't fucking know. Just kidding. This guy we has don't no know if he is. We just that. assume at this point. <laughs> it's just it's safer to assume. Yeah. Um, but dude, I looked at this guy's Instagram. So he is the uh, he's been there 16 years, and he did a lot of like the concept art and the high level art, kind of like the stuff that Danny does. I looked at his Instagram, guys. This guy is phenomenal. It's really like, cool. He goes and takes a picture of like an airport hangar and makes it look like a giant sport spaceport. And it doesn't look like a hyper-realistic spaceport. Like, it's got an artistic flair. And you're like, did someone fucking paint that? And so you can totally see, like, how this dude's really grandiose. You can just see in a couple of his Instagram things. His grandiose vision kind of leads a game where you climb up huge buildings and see huge historical landscapes. And yeah, Uh, don't forget, like, it can't be understated. We talk about Assassin's Creed. But I think the real beauty of Assassin's Creed is the landscapes they recreate. Oh, they yeah. They spend so much time. I know they're always pumping these games out. But they That's spend the soul so much of time and effort recreating what did this look like? What was the scale of it? And, and they really nail that. That's what these Assassin's Creed games nail. And this is the art director for the franchise. Yeah. He's and you've seen, you've seen how many games are adequate or competent at copying the ubisoft formula which is the same like quests the same quest giving the same maps the same progression and trees Mm. ubisoft's formula for open world adventure games is not unique at all anymore they're like peterson said they're worlds that's what makes them stand head and shoulders above these other games and if they lose that like far cry's worlds don't jump out at you they look pretty fucking yeah. generic would you agree peterson yeah yeah you're the first time you're there you're like oh that looks really cool and, and then, then you like, kind of forget uh, you kind of it becomes a background thing that you're not noticing because it's good it's right it's good enough you're just not noticing it but assassin's creed i feel like you notice it the yeah. whole time you're constantly noticing these amazing things you see a building and you're like i want to climb that and you can and the, the final point worth noting here is that Assassin's Creed has become their main series. This is Ubisoft's big moneymaker uh, for regular a regular release single-player game. And the people that have just been bleeding, so many other lifers have left the series over the last year or two, especially as Ubisoft has become a very toxic name. If you left Ubisoft in 2016, bully for you, that's great. If you're still at Ubisoft in 2021, well, you got some splaining to do when you apply. Sorry. Like, how long did you work there? Uh, especially, especially if you're like these dudes and you're higher ups that were absolutely in the know of a lot of the things that were going on. You're not going to have a lot of problem if you're like a lowly art person at Ubisoft getting a job somewhere else. No. Like, but- if you're sitting in your cube all day, uh, you may have not experienced this. The numbers... Wasn't it like one in four or something yes. like that? Had At Ubisoft, seen or heard of, it is experienced it. Terrifically high. So at the management level, there is no possible way yes. you have not come across this in any form. 
so yeah, that I mean that's fucking question one. I'm interviewing someone as a manager at coming out of Ubisoft is like, what do you what have you done in the past in response to sexual harassment claims? <laughs> what Not lawsuit even, are assuming. we gonna get I'm from just you? Fucking assuming <laughs> automatically. What lawsuits are you currently a part of? And what do you anticipate being in in the future? They're filling out the form and they're like, oh, I'm not a part of any lawsuits. What? Required? What the hell? (laughs) I'm not a part of a lawsuit. And they're like, come on. We know you are. Come on. Come on. Like. You have like to at least put two down. You have, we know you have to find like two references. Put your two lawsuits down. <laughs> God, fuck you, All right, let's do this next one. Tell me, priest, how was it that you came across so much gold? Last time we met, I believe you gave me all the gold you had. Or so you told me. Would a man of God lie so easily? My gold and where it comes from is of no concern to you, sellsword. You just mind your torch and keep your sword at the ready. You truly believe that this blizzard is real? Aye. I've seen it with mine own eyes. Perhaps it was before your time, but the blizzard once ruled these lands as a benevolent overlord. This countryside was a shining beacon for humanity, but the people knew not of its evils. The blizzard was never more than a slimy, crawling, conniving, hateful creature, intent on nothing but death and misery. And yet no one in town has ever heard of its name? Far few know its name, for it rarely left survivors. It slayed an entire world of Warcraft, finished off every single one of the heroes of the storm, and some even claim it created and killed off three devils for its own amusement. And you believe a mercenary and a priest stand a chance against such a being? I believe we have no other choice. The very existence of this beast is a sacrilege, a blasphemy, an impurity on our world that must be cleansed. And believe me when I say... <laughs> what in God's name is that stench? We've arrived. The blizzard must be close. Ready yourself. My god! Look at the size of it! It looks to be already dead, priest. You can see its skin rotting off its bones. happening to you, Great One? You were once a bastion of hope for humanity, and now you lay here, rotting to death in your own filth. Ah! Mortals! Here to tell me about humanity! Look around you, man flesh! I was always this! But none of you wanted to see it! I never hid who I was! And you, you cheered me as I vanquished your enemies, as I showered you with gifts, as as you marveled at the splendor of my power. And now that I'm here before you in my true form, you invert your gaze, you grimace, you hate. But know this, human. 
I was never more than a mirror for your people. I showed you who you are, what you want, what you believe, and your greed allowed it all to happen. Sellsword, finish it. Finish! <laughs> My glory will not be so easily diminished. I am the Bazaar, and I... <laughs> I guess its glory was easy to diminish. Neck was a bit thick, though. A fitting end to such a creature, once worshipped by man, the Blizzard will die alone and forgotten, rotting to death in a deep, dark cave. Amen. Okay. Ah, uh, the Blizzard. Blizzard. Guys. Uh, okay. She just a nail in the coffin. I don't like this one. Nobody likes this one. No one likes this trend. Activision Blizzard has been sued over their frat boy culture and harassment. Um, How about I give the skinny on this one? Oh my gosh. Good luck with the skinny. skinny. There's so many things that are happening, though. Oh, we'll get into those. I'll give the skinny of the main lawsuit. This is filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH, after a two year investigation of the studio. So they've been looking at this for a while. Investigation found that the company discriminated against female employees in terms and conditions of employment from the beginning, including compensation, assignment, promotion, and termination. Company leadership consistently failed to take steps to prevent discrimination, harassment, and retaliation. Ooh, ooh, isn't that the best one one. when you have discrimination, harassment, and retaliation for the the discrimination, harassment? Women, this is horrifying. The fuck? Women make up 20% of the Amazon or of the of the Activision workforce. 20%. Pervasive they, they also note a pervasive frat boy culture, including these things called cube crawls, which I'm sure Peterson no. as an HR dude loves the concept of going this to one dude's made cube, my brain explode. Getting drunk and then crawling to the next dude's cube, uh, harassing any female or any anyone, frankly, <laughs> that you see along the way, but generally all of the women, the the women, especially the women, dude, you've had a couple, you've had a couple drinks. I only add that caveat because there's a good chance between cubes. There are no women. (laughs) So Uh, you're going, you, your, your route. You have to make a zigzag to get to the one woman on the floor. And she's already been harassed like 60 times because you guys are doing a cube Because apparently there's a cube crawl And you know what this made me think of? I'm sorry, as a tangent. The sick thing this made me think of is the dudes that are in the cubes with the booze. These are the dudes that don't want it. They're, they're the self-proclaimed cool dudes that go buy a bunch of booze, yeah. and they're like, hey, bro, come on to my cube. We're doing tequila, shooter, what's it? So the first rule of this is eat a cigarette butt and then <laughs> oh punch yourself God. in the fucking head. Like, I hate the whole concept of it, but the dudes that were the, running the drink cubes, I don't know why you guys... You guys fucking suck. Yeah. You're the ones that fucking suck. The rest like, of you also suck. Uh, and so let's see. The uh, agency is a different type of suck. Also alleges that male employees play video games during the workday while delegating responsibility to female employees. Kind of fucking hard when everyone's delegating their 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 work to 20% of the workforce. No wonder all their games suck. 
They're only being made by a fifth of the people. Yeah. And they're being it, routinely harassed and discriminated against. Yeah. All the fifth of the people what? who are who have the worst morale of anyone at the company because they're like, Imagine well, Sue the- doesn't really play video games. She's a girl. Let's just I'm going to play games and just hand it over to her. She'll get it done. Imagine the gall it takes to delegate all your work to somebody and then treat that person like shit. <laughs> Dude, you are fucking gutter slime. While you, you play shit. video games. Fuck you. You're the shit that like people scrape off the bottom of their shoe on a curve. That's you. Fuck you. <laughs> I hate these people. One woman. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's Uh-oh. the creme de la fucking creme of this story. One woman had a lewd photograph, multiple lewd photographs of her passed around at a company holiday party. Uh, This can't even be like on an off work discord. These motherfuckers don't even have that level of respect. They're like, do it at work, man. Keep it in the family, bro. Oh, yeah. We we harassed like just openly. No, I printed these off. Uh, yeah, like I printed them on she the company was working printer so I could using print my off. company ID. I pr- I plugged it in. And pass it around. Yeah, pass it around. to see. Uh, yeah, so then this woman oh. later goes on a company trip with her boss and commits suicide. Uh, because this fucking asshole had been harassing her for God knows how long and brought sex toys along he with him on this trip. sex toys on the work trip. On a work trip. Well, you got lewd photos at the company holiday party. You got sex toys on the, on the work trip with your subordinates. Again. I... Shoe scraping on a fucking curb because I don't even want you on the bottom of my shoe, you sick turd. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to get out the bleep button for this one. JD's pretty Actually, worked. That'd be pretty that. funny. Just That'd bleep, be really funny. Just bleep anything, really. Any random word, it'll come out. Uh, um, man, this is this is a nightmare, though. Really, this is. And here's the here's the thing. I guess you'll get into this a little bit, but this isn't like brand new this isn't stuff that just started happening since activision took over that's yeah that's the sad thing is that this has been going on for years and years and uh the people that will i'll just go through the timeline right okay because that seems like the best way so this this lawsuit drops (laughs) people are horrified Admittedly, understandably so. Blizzard is is known um, in the gaming industry as just like they they have these fanatics that are just they just Blizzard can do no wrong, and they they center their lives around Blizzard. There are whole websites, communities, things, entire careers, people's whole livelihood is based upon being a fan of this studio. So yeah, they have a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like people that go to BlizzCon every year? Yeah. Since it like started existing. And there's years. a lot of those people. Yeah. People that have an been entire year making World of Warcraft for a cosplay. decade. Yeah. Just like real, real big fans. And so the first thing we get out of Activision Blizzard is a response. Um from their I guess their legal department after railing like six lines of meth. And then they decided to send this out. I'm just going to read. This is a passage. It's a bit long, but I yeah, want. I want the whole to, thing, but no, I wanted yeah. to kind of get the give you guys an impression of like how off this is. The DFEH included a distorted and in many cases false descriptions of Blizzard's past. We have been extremely cooperative with the DFEH throughout their investigation, including providing them with extensive data and ample documentation. But they refused to inform us what issues they perceived. 
they were required by law to adequately investigate and have a good faith discussion with us to better understand and to resolve any claims or concerns before going to litigation, but they failed to do so. Instead, they rushed to file an inaccurate complaint, as we will demonstrate in court. We are sickened by the reprehensible conduct of the DFEH to drag into the complaint the tragic suicide of an employee whose passing has no bearing whatsoever on this case and with no regard for her grieving family. While we find this behavior to be disgraceful and unprofessional, it is unfortunately an example of how they have conducted themselves throughout the course of their investigation. It is this type of irresponsible behavior from an unaccountable state bureaucrat that are driving away many of the state's best businesses out of California. I read that verbatim with all of the weird grammatical twists and turns. Turn reaction. Reaction, please. Uh, I, I, I Okay. This is like, I, 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 so I was talking about this with JD last night. I'm trying to reconcile this in my head. How this response from the legal team makes any sort of sense. How did it get out the door? You do, uh, well, you don't get accused of harassment after, and they're like, these guys are rushing this out. Guys, this is a two year uh, investigation they've been doing. That doesn't feel rushed out. But after no. a two-year investigation, they're like, are you kidding me? These guys rushed it out because they want our money. That's why they're doing this. They're doing this for money. Don't believe it. Fake news. This isn't real. You just wait. You just wait and see. All the stuff we're going to come out with and prove how this is false. And it's like tone deaf. It is unapologetic. I mean, yeah. and it's here's insane. the thing. I you don't apologize unless it's I mean you apologize in a very general way. If people have felt this way, mm-hmm. that is sincerely never our intention. This is horrifying. We will do everything we can to make any concerns right. Right, you just come out and say that stuff. It's it's all being uh, it's all under review in a court case, so we can't say a lot. But you know you do that sort of uh, corporate speak very you know, very humble, but this was the opposite of that. This was aggressive, horrifically this was aggressive, unre- uh, unrepentant. Um, and so why this was so horrible for me, first of all, it's like I said, tone deaf, but also say the, uh, the court case. So the, this whole trial happens and, uh, they are found that they're, yeah, that these are, these are real issues. These are all true. Everything is substantiated and they came out and made this statement, this specific statement. My goodness, that is that is horrifying. There's this 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 allows no room, no room to walk back. It is. They said so many things that just straight up did not need to be said. Yeah. Like this shot at like, this is why businesses are leaving California. This that's the exact same language that apparently that they're using in the the Republicans are using in the recall of the the mm-hmm. california state governor and that's like the that's so they're the, bar, like i'm like what where was where's that where's that fucking coming from and yep. so then it gets better alan brack the current president of blizzard entertainment response he releases a statement and i'm not gonna read it it's garbage it's just meaningless it's the it's actually the the one that peterson said you should have written they should have written this one this yeah. is crappy it's tone deaf but it doesn't really admit a lot of fault. And it's like, oh, we'll do better. 
They didn't. They didn't. It wasn't. However, no way. No way. Any of this happened. No. You guys are wrong, and you're idiots. Yeah, right? They yeah, didn't it say was, that. It was. It was like. Yeah. However. However, this motherfucker, Alan Brack, Alan Brack, Alan Brack, Alan Brack. This is this is a quote. Stepping back, when I talked with Bobby about taking this job, one of the first things I mentioned was a revered saint of the Brack household, Gloria Steinem. Hmm. Okay. For those who don't know, Gloria Steinem <laughs> is a second wave feminist writer. Um, she's a pretty famous feminist. She she wrote a lot of really mean. This Let me tell you how much of a feminist I am. Steinem is. He Googled her. You Google <laughs> famous on. feminist. She's the second one that comes up. And the idea that this guy, first of all, oh, Bobby Kojic, the CEO of Activision. Oh, I just call him Bobby. You not, you name drop fucking Bobby. I hate that fucking shit when you say the CEO's first name and you disseminate that through the company. Like everyone should just refer to him as his like deified first name, Bobby. You have the, you have the name of an eight-year-old bro, Bobby. Dude. Well, so the, so the first of all, thing, he, he addresses okay. Bobby by his first name, and he's like, Bobby is like, hey, bro, do you want to run Blizzard? You've been working there for like 20 years. You think you could take over the studio? And it was the first thing that our boy Alan Brack says. He's like, well, there's a second wave feminist, you know. And there's just, what? It's so like, it's so out. It's so just mind bogglingly stupid. And yeah. so insane that this guy really fucking thought people would buy this, that it proves how out it shows just it's a perfect example of how out of touch these people are this with is the, the real world or the people at their own company that he thought they would buy this like a name drop of a random feminist uh, this is the equivalent for me because it, th- none of this is you can't prove any of this right he could just no. say whatever he wanted yeah. i had a and conversation one up. time where I say, yeah, it's like it's like none of this is <laughs> Trent loves this Bobby me. shit. This is the equivalent <laughs> of like saying, "Oh, I can't be racist. I know a black guy. I went to high school with a black guy." Come and on. you're like, that's, dude, what? that's exactly the equivalent. It's not. I have yeah. a friend that is a black guy. It's like I know of a black guy. Yeah. I was. This is wild. <laughs> like that, we're just supposed to take this at face value. We don't. Uh, and then, you need to start proving to us anything that you're saying because he's like i have been a proponent i hate bro years. culture i have Isn't fought it Brack my whole the same life. guy that made the cell phone comment i thought he was the one that did the whole anyway. no it wasn't brack but i i actually want to play a clip same right town, now. though i want to play peterson's gonna play a yes. clip right now um of who alan brack really is okay real quick i want to introduce this though this is a at blizzcon um uh, a woman they're doing a q a there's a panel of it's a general World of Warcraft Q and A. Yes, and there's a panel up at, up top. It's uh, what like four or five guys, four or five guys, one, two, three, six white guys up on the stage in the panel. And here's the clip. We'll play it for you. Hi there, uh, Zantia from Kieran Tor. Um, I love what you've guys done with Little Crest. I love the fact that you have a lot of very strong female characters. However, I was wondering. If we could have some that don't look like they've stepped out of a Victoria's Secrets catalog. <laughs> what do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. Which catalog would you like them to step out of? Could you could you see Sylvanas looking any other way? Right. So, 
we, we feel you, and uh, we want to vary our female characters, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll pick different catalogs. <laughs> hey, uh, Alex, what, uh, what catalog is that uh, torn female coming out of? <laughs> not, not one you'd read. Yeah. <laughs> sexy, sexy cow business. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Some sort of agricultural. So there is so much to unpack from this. I oh do want to just highlight that last voice you heard. Uh, the, the, the one that was asking, that was goading the asshole on that was like, hey, what, 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 what is that sexy Terran catalog? That is Alan Brack, folks. Yep. The guy goading on this shithead. He oh. has fought bro culture his whole career, and he hates it. But he's at BlizzCon for the cheers of all these bros. Uh, really like, oh, you thought she was over the top? Just you wait until you see what I've got. And all the guys cheer. Who we? Yeah, and and dude, here's here's the thing. Is that the last the the voice the asshole that you heard, Alex Prasiabi, that guy that he was goading on? That dude is one of the prime people named in this lawsuit. Mm. So you're telling me this Gloria Steinem worshiping radical feminist dude <laughs> who has always been a, a, a an opponent of bro culture and a proponent of women everywhere, uh in 2010 was just casually goading on the dude that was named in this, literally named in this lawsuit. And he was like, Oh no, that in an extremely public forum. So public. And the other thing, <laughs> the one thing I do want to highlight that just made my stomach turn was after she asked that question, you heard the, there was cheers and you, there's three different things. You can rewind it and listen to this. There's a distinct sound change. There are the women that are cheering immediately because they know what she said, heard what she said. And then there are the and dudes that are, that, are, that are cheering slightly, slightly delayed because she said Victoria's Secret and they're just brain dead. And, and then they the cheered booze. that. And then all the monkey brains started to catch up. And then everyone just fucking boos like a mob. Like a Dude. freaking mob. If you watch the Weird. video, and we should try to link it, the 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 woman who asked the question is like visibly uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yes. It's... And she rolls her eyes at the joke at the end, and I'm like, hell yeah, sister. That joke fucking sucked. Yeah, she was this was not a But the bar moment. is so low because these guys cheered the words Victoria's Secret. Yeah. What? Yeah. Anyway, so I've got a couple more responses. We'll blow through these really quickly. Um, Activision's token, the highest ranking uh, female at the company, this woman named Fran, Fran Townsend, whose name is the chief compliance officer. And she wrote to, to tell everyone how stupid they were for believing this, how wrong the report was, and that she had never, ever in all her time at Blizzard ever experienced anything like this in her senior C-suite level role had never experienced discrimination or harassment. Don't believe this. Ever since she joined in March of 2021. Well, 
what? So she's been a CCO for four months and has never been discriminated against. That's a long time. That's fucking crazy. But you know what? (laughs) Fran Townsend seems like a really good judge of character because hmm, what was she most recently doing? Was it working for the Bush administration as the public face of their torture thing? The enhanced interrogation. That's her line. This is the woman that literally walked into Abu Ghraib in Iraq and walked out, walked through it all and walked out and was like, A plus, boys. So clearly, we really shouldn't be categorizing her as the highest ranking woman at at Blizzard or Activision, because I think you have to be a human to qualify as a woman. Yeah. So she's good. That's who's telling you all is well at Blizzard. Let's listen to Fran Townsend finally. And Trent, I know you were you were just on this one. Mike Morheim mm. has responded. The the former CEO. His felt genuine to me. Yeah, it did. It did. And it was. And it was the only decent response in the batch. And the unfortunately, only response I would expect to hear, like, yes, this was the one this that is I would the, what everyone should have said. Start. Fran Townsend should have kept her fucking lizard tongue between b- behind her fangs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Morheim was he was really ap- apologetic. There were some responses. And obviously, I mean, the guy was there for 25 years. Like, there's no earthly years. way he wasn't aware of all of this going on, um, which is kind of a kind of a thing we're going to be probably dealing with and reckoning with because that's the thing that's what we have to accept now is that all of the best blizzard games all the stuff we loved and knew about blizzard the things the horrifying things that were going on behind the scenes did not just start in 2018 with me too yeah no no no, no yeah no. didn't it didn't just start this you don't develop a culture like that in uh one or two years this is there's a build-up to this uh the people that are so high up right are involved and uh complicit and so yeah this this has in some form existed for a long time okay so that's all something and then of course blizzard cannot lay off the gas guys we are really convinced that there are three studios, maybe four that legitimately have heard about the blur studio blur Steve. And like I don't know they're why they're really going for it. They are gunning for it. I feel like it, it's an award that they feel like the bar is low enough for them to get. They're like, we could actually get a blur Steve, guys. We just have to dive down into yeah. the darkness. Like don't we're not try to surface the games. We're not going to get the ballast. We're yeah. going Fucking down. We're, down. we're gonna go get ourselves that blursty. We're winning that, some uh, challenge this year, deep. guys. That's where they keep the blursties. So <laughs> um Blizzard apparently botched the botched the Warcraft 3 remake after internal fights and pressure over costs. Um Warcraft 3, you guys, this game came out in the early 2000s People loved it, played it for 20 years. Blizzard finally got around to remaking it. Uh, and this is just the skinny on that. They never actually got the budget they wanted from Activision because it wasn't going to make them a billion dollars, so Activision wasn't interested in a Warcraft 3 remake, but that didn't stop them from selling a Warcraft 3 remake that would require that budget that just got rejected. Uh, So they're just like, yeah, this is what we're making, and they knew they could not make that thing. Um, They just just plowed ahead, released uh, uh, a 
completely premature uh, version of Warcraft 3 because they did not want to lose the pre-orders. They thought if they waited too long, people would refund their pre-orders. yeah. And then they uh, wouldn't have to issue refunds. They did not want to issue refunds. Uh, Dave Fried, Fried? A designer on the original Warcraft 3 said that it was quite telling that Morheim uh, had resigned just weeks before Warcraft 3 Reforged was presented uh, in November 2018 at BlizzCon. He couldn't so do it. So this guy who worked on Warcraft 3 was like, oh yeah, War- I bet Morheim quit because he was ashamed of that. He shit. was just embarrassed. He didn't want to be associated with it. Yeah. Uh, so because that's it was it was worse than the original game. We've already gone over this. It, yeah, it was worse than they, what they, they had. stripped out features from the original game and then disabled the original game. So people that had been playing it all along, even those that didn't want the remake, were forced into this worse game that didn't have basic features like a ladder in the multiplayer. Uh, so this ultimately, I wanted to bring up a big point from this. Here's the thing: if the fans start to hate Blizzard, which it seems like they're doing, and Mass, I mean, we talked about just the more in-game things last week or a week, couple weeks ago with the World of Warcraft storyline being such a disappointment. But is Blizzard to stop? It's going to just stop being a draw for fans? That, that was the biggest thing was Blizzard used to have an endless talent pool to draw from of very fanatical people that loved the company and the games. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their magic. Yep. And, you know, all the people that have already left long ago. So... What happens to this studio? They can't recruit. They've lost all the people that made it what it was. All the people that made it what it was turned out to be a bunch of fucking scumbags that then just like filtered out through the rest of the game industry. So good luck to everyone <laughs> else that's touched by those former Blizzard employees. What? What do they? Where do they go from here? Where does Blizzard go from here? I think they're they're only. I don't even know. I don't know. Part of me is like, nope, they're dead. Like this isn't going to work. All they have to do is release one more game that's not good or cancel one more game and mm-hmm. they're done. I think Diablo 4 is going to be the the make or break. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Diablo 4 is where it, it's I think they're going to have to hang their whole reputation and look, based on the pre Diablo 3's launch, uh, you know, it has to be a thousand times better than that. They have to do better, be better. Uh, and I don't think it's going to. I think they're going to feel the pressure from Activision. Yeah. Uh, I think the pressure is going to, they're going to crumble under. They don't just have pressure to make and release a hit title. They also have pressures from the inside with all this harassment stuff happening. It's no longer a top studio to work for. Yeah. Uh, we had friends who wanted to work there. Stephen Crow, who we have I, loved I for applied years. for jobs. He wanted there. to work there. Danny has wanted to work there. Neither of them are interested in working at that company any longer, and that's very telling. And so, I think the pressure that's mounted over years and not releasing games. I'll say the one thing Ubisoft has going for them they, those games keep coming out is at least they're making money and releasing new content blizzard's not even if you're not if you're not releasing video games are you a video game studio or are you no. just a sexual harassment studio at this <laughs> yes. point hey, just, now, there's that's patches the only for product <laughs> they are a sexual harassment studio a sexual that releases harassment and a wow add-on studio that is blizzard even though the first the first patch of this expansion took like nine months so not even really that yeah, they're spending a lot more time on the sexual harassment. Well, Trent, to be fair, that patch was made by <laughs> one-fifth of the staff. 
Yeah, good job, guy. Baked into the fucking scale, the schedule, the calendar. <laughs> Scumbags. More lawsuit. We've got that baked into 2021. That's a pretty big deal for us. Uh, do we have anything releasing? They're like, what about the uh, patches that we promised 18 months ago for Warcraft 3 Reforged? And then they all laugh. They're and not. And gonna... they, they then then they go onto like the company database to see who was last working on those patches, and they're like, oh, that was Edmonds. Yeah, they fucking fired him, man. Cause He's the, gone because of the oh, thing. You remember? Well, and they're like, uh, oh, whatever. well, who did, who did, who 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 was supposed to pick up Edmonds' work? They're like, well, Jeffries, and you know, Jeffries <laughs> well, was the. And then the honka, HR honka, leans over you know? and like whispers in their ear. You can't say that. Don't say gone. anything. Don't bring up Jeffries. Yeah, you can't say that. They're like, oh, so uh, you know what? Let's move on to the next agenda item. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take this offline. <laughs> eh, let's take this offline. So, uh, best of luck to Blizzard. Boy, here's those two ales. That'll be ten shillings. Or I can save you those shillings, and you can do me a favor instead. <laughs> Most favors cost a lot more than ten shillings. Ain't got much, just a barkeep. But I can give you a room and a meal for the night. Looks like you two could use it. I tire of these games. Speak your mind, peasant, or let us be rid of you. Sure, sure. It's just this then. Last month, everyone in town put their scraps together, got ourselves a genuine 3090. The real deal. Then, two weeks go by, and something that goes bump in the night breaks into the tower, snatches our 3090, and makes like the wind. Found what was left of the poor thing in the woods a week later. Melted. Melted, you say? Bah, impossible. That's what we said. And we was looking at it with our own eyes. So what went bump in the night? Ain't much of a beast. But 3090s ain't built for that type of thing. Just one of those run-of-the-mill Amazon monsters. Thing this one calls itself a new old or something. Blasted things holed up behind the old barn just out back. Shouldn't be any trouble for uh, two monster slayers like yourselves. I'll have your food hot for when you get back. And another ale. All right. Any wee beasties in this barn, show yourselves. Very subtle. Look at that pathetic little thing. Kill it quickly. Put it out of its misery. <laughs> A new world, eh? Looked as if it was begging me to kill it. You really think something like this could melt a 3090? Not sure. It didn't try to melt us. Silly little new world didn't do much of anything, really. Well... It is an Amazon monster. Then what did melt that 3090? <laughs> now why'd you have to go and keep asking questions, priest? Why couldn't you have just slayed the monster, taken the room and the meal, and been on your right way? 
What are you doing here, Barkeep? Barkeep? You can call me Evga, and I'm just a businessman, looking to offload some poorly made 3090s to the fine, innocent folk of this town. And now that you've slayed the beast everyone believes was responsible, I'm free to continue selling all the 3090s I want. That is, unless a troublesome priest and his lackey feel the need to blab about my plans to the nearest person- Why'd you cut his head off? Evka wasn't a monster. <laughs> Are you sure? Selling bad 3090s seems fairly monstrous. And either way, he called me a lackey. I'm not a lackey. And I'm certainly not your lackey. So, you think that he made our supper before he came out here? This last one here, uh, this story. Uh, Amazon's new MMO is bricking 3090s. You guys know the graphics card, the most really hard to get computer get. part in the whole world to get your hands on. The 3090 is the rarest version of that card. Uh, and then this new MMO from Amazon's studio, uh, Amazon Game Studios, uh, is called New World. And it apparently people that have been playing games as shitty as Cyberpunk for months and months and months turn on New World, boot it up, don't even get to the loading screen, and their card just goes, <laughs> please don't, and then it, it melts. It literally pops and then fizzles. Like, every time <laughs> you've ever built a computer and you look at it and you're like, that is the, the one noise that I don't want to hear, is a pop. <laughs> it fucking just, like, explodes these cards, like, melts these cards. Yeah. Uh, um, so, it, go ahead. Well, just correct me if I'm wrong. Trent, you probably know more about this than me. From what I understand is that New World allows for uncapped frame rates. That is like if the game detects that your card can run it at 60 frames per second, that means every second of whatever you're looking at, there are 60 different frames that render all all in that one second. Um, and yeah, but if, I mean, that, keep going. No, no, go ahead. I mean, that's 60 frames per second. That's pretty average, right? Like, that's what yeah. most people are shooting for with games because there's, yeah. like, a certain speed that you can't really detect anyway. With a human eye, beyond, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Like, most, I think Warcraft has uncapped frame rates as far as I'm aware. But Yeah, so I think the difference here is that these aren't rendered efficiently because it's a newer game. Okay. So it's thinking, like, oh, yeah, we'll just take this, uh, crank this up to 100 frames per second. and just melt uh, it. Yeah, we'll just melt it and the cards. But hey, this is a twist. The yep, story's there's a, twist a little twisty twist. For the first time ever, Amazon is not to blame, folks. Like it's this is a coding issue, but this this coding issue should not be a real problem. This should not be allowed to happen. Um, the the cards, these cards just scare the shit out of us. At least me and Peterson. They run so hot. They're like designed. Yeah. They are designed to run at 80 degrees centigrade. Like That's you can pretty feel hot, the folks. heat coming off your it's computer. It's like 200 degrees just right next to you blowing. Uh, in a, You're like, that. that's a computer part. I think they should probably be like, I don't know, 20 centigrade max. Like, <laughs> what is that? So they're already doing this because they're trying to get the most out of the card and the the card manufacturer has determined that is safe and they have also installed limiters that prevent the card from melting itself 
Well, like, yeah, if it starts getting too much, your card should just shut off. Be like, well, nope, Done. not going to let you d- kill me like this. Yep. And then it bails. But that's the what's fan- supposed to happen. Yeah, it'll stop working. The fans will just spin. It'll cool itself down. You'll be good. Uh, the biggest problem to me is that these are like, these are the, if you are, if you didn't get, if you got one of these scalped, you're, this is like a, this is like a car down payment on a car. It's like three thousand dollars. Yeah, you're you're like two to three thousand dollars on this card. This is this card is crazy expensive, and the idea that EVGA is making their most expensive card, they're replacing these. They're replacing all of them. So good on EVGA. They're not a monster or a criminal. Um, but man, and they are replacing them, which makes me be like, wait, where'd you guys get those replacements? Huh? Hey, where are you they're just those saying they're huh? replacing them, but you'll really get your card like. 2023 Three months yeah they're replacing them like nintendo will replace your switch controllers <laughs> yeah they shipped yeah, out you'll get a new joy con what they're my i, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if because they said oh we've already started shipping them to customers they're shipping like one a week yeah like Just so they so can, they say, can it. say yeah no, we started we already sent them. one yeah Look, no we're shipping them Look, here's sure. the tracking number one tracking number yeah what do you expect come on yeah how many tracking numbers do you want yeah the pandemic on come on give us a break come on <laughs> so this is dude okay so i will say i will say we do crap on amazon studios it's really easy we do we have crapped on new world because they've made that really because they made themselves a toilet that's why but they want to be crapped on but 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 let me uh, there's a big big crappy but here for this toilet uh honestly reports of the game so far have been mostly positive like people I've heard pretty good things, it, yeah. Have yeah. in have been enjoying it. And so and look, I, I you know, that could take that with a grain of salt. This is this is you know beta version. They're playing through this. Every game, like these games as a service games, I would argue is pretty good at the beginning. You've and then you get to the end game and there's do, nothing there. And that's the killer, right? There. Yeah. That's the killer. That was what killed so many games, right? Division had that issue. Anthem. I mean, it had other issues, but it's but that was the main had issue. Yeah. There's nothing at the end. You, yeah, there's nothing at Destiny the end. Destiny so, always struggles with this. Yep, Destiny. And then Destiny is always great two years later when they've released so much to do. But So yeah, we'll see. But reports so far have been positive. There's been some funny issues and some incidents, of course, like any beta, but uh, we'll see. You know, I've... I've look, I want... For for the podcast's sake, I love when Amazon is failing, but as a gamer, <laughs> easy I want Amazon to succeed in this because uh, if they could make another new game, I'm not going to complain about that. That's good, right? If it's a good game, I won't complain, but we'll see. Uh, I'll reserve judgment for when they actually release the game. And if they could release the Lost Ark beta that was supposed to come in July, that would be cool, too. <laughs> Oh, come on. Uh, you're asking a little yeah, too much. Don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move on. Kudos. 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 All right. Kudos is our positivity segment where we like to give a shout out to something we're into. Uh, this week, I have something dope that I watched on HBO. Uh, it's streaming. It's called 100 Foot Wave. 100 foot wave 100 foot wave i don't know about you guys but i have long had a love for surf documentaries i just think they're so cool i think surfers are the most batshit crazy people 
and you just find the strangest, most driven human beings in the world in the surf community. Don't know why. Maybe it's because the ocean is the scariest motherfucking thing on the whole planet. And these guys are like, it's terrifying. If the ocean doesn't scare you, you haven't been in the ocean. And these guys are like, just watch oh. a couple documentaries. I'll send you a couple. Uh-huh. You'll be terrified by the yeah. end. <laughs> and they're like, I'll just take this board and <laughs> conquer the top of the ocean. And I'm uh-huh. like, no, you won't. And they're like, watch this. I'm going to go find a 100 foot wave off the coast of Portugal because there's this weird break. And it's so dangerous and terrifying that you have to you have to tow in. You literally cannot paddle into these waves. Um you can't paddle out. You'll just die. Like if you lose your, your board for one sec, like you just, you'll just drown. And this guy's like, I'm going to go surf the shit out of that. Cause I want to be up on a 100 foot wave, which no one surfed before. Um, this is the guy that pioneered toe and surfing. If you didn't know, since like the early two thousands surfing has started to hit bigger and bigger waves because they started using jet skis. Yeah, to go back behind wave breaks and to get on bigger waves because they had a lot more speed than you can get paddling. Um, and this guy's invented that. This guy was like, just like, let's just fucking do it. He lives in Hawaii and he's like, just grab a ski do and let's just go, you know, ski do me on that 60 foot wave, bro. These guys are nuts. I was going to say, where is where is this like North Shore in Hawaii? Yeah, that's where he was. That's where he lives. And that's where he was like catching that wave. But this hundred foot wave is off the coast of Portugal. Um, and he's like big, it's just, I mean, he's a big wave surfer and those are, if you ever seen point break, there's like a whole scene where they the talk best about documentary. how insane big wave surfers are and now they're nuts. And that like bears bears out. Like that's absolutely the case. Um, this is a docu series. This is just the first one. I've only seen the first one. You guys like surf documentaries. Uh, if you like documentaries at all, if you like stories about, uh, very driven, passionate people, uh, who will just risk their life to do insane shit this is worth watching uh it's on hbo it's called 100 foot wave 100 foot wave all right do you guys have any kudos or do you want to move on uh we did have jd we did have one kudos uh come in from a listener through our voicemail oh, so yeah. this comes from listener james and james we apologize he actually sent this a week ago when we meant to put it in last week's episode and well you know guys, it Yes. Look, sometimes sometimes we can't remember stuff. Most so, times we can't remember stuff. Yeah. This is Give not the break. first time. So, but we got you James. James left us a wonderful uh voicemail about um a YouTube channel. So, listen here. Hi you guys. My name is James. I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time at work. I got to tell you about something I just stumbled upon. I'm on YouTube and um there's this video from the channel G-Man Lives, and he's talking about um, a game, Early Access, called Subverse, and it's a review. I thought you guys might get a kick out of this. I know you guys talk about Randy Pitchford all the time. Well, this game and the developers parried Randy Pitchford with one of the characters naming him some alien creature, Sandy Glitchford, and they make a reference to the USB thumb drive. And I know you guys bring that up from time to time. And I seen this, and I was just like, I got to tell you guys about it. Well, I'm just curious about your thoughts on it. 
I hope to hear this on the show. Love your show. Always listen no matter what. Later. Uh, this game looks interesting. <laughs> Sandy Glitchford sounds gross. Dude, Sandy Glitchford is gross. I guarantee it. Based on some of the content in this game, which does take on a little bit of a sexual tone. Yeah, it's a sex game. It's jokey. Jokey, jokey. It's sex a jokey game. sex game. And let me tell you, when the jokey sex games are dunking on you, <laughs> you have failed. Your, your career's life. in a good spot. Yeah, Randy Pitchford, you are getting dunked on by these dudes. Dude, like, awesome. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> thanks, James, for leaving that. Uh, well, seriously, please. Fred Durst, Randy Pitchford, you guys know what gets us out of bed in the morning. So you find these things in the wild. Please hit us up. Love to see Sandy Glitchford trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's do a little bit of first impression rose. Oh, my God. The first impression rose. All right, guys. So this week, I have to make a really big choice. Um, you know, this 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 two-on-one that I had, I played two games for just a little, a little bit. I had a date with two games, um, and I got to know them really well. Uh, the two games were Bloodroots and Blasphemous. And unfortunately, I only have one rose to give out tonight. Um, you know, Bloodroots, I, I only played the first act of this game. It was, it, it is a challenging, it's one of those one hit games where if you get hit once, you die immediately. And the cutscenes, or I'm sorry, the checkpoints are generally fairly forgiving in that way. But it's and it's really cool because you can kill people with anything. So you're just like it's kind of a Western feel and you can just like grab uh, like a wheel, a wagon wheel and like throw it at someone and explode their head and then just grab a ladder and spin it over your head and just smash them up. And you're just doing all these random things um, and just killing people. It is really fun um, on these main levels. But this is the big but. Uh, there, I got through the first act and I got to the last, the boss level. And the boss is where this game totally lost me. Uh, uh, it is um, very difficult. It's a very timing-oriented thing. This is the same challenge I ran into with Battletoads. And if you die once during this boss fight, which is just like this big, long run of just like, kill this guy, kill this guy perfectly, jump on this thing, jump over this box, kill this guy, jump on that, watch out for these spikes, oop, watch out for this fire, do this. Like, you have to do everything picture perfect to get, I didn't even get to the boss. Like, I knew that would be a challenge in and of itself. And I didn't get to him. And I had dropped probably 15 minutes in this. And I was like, I'm not having fun. And Mm, the thing that really killed it for me was realizing this is the first boss. And I'll go into the next set of levels if I beat this guy and have a lot of fun with them. And then I get another boss. These things are not fun. This is not like a fun thing. I don't know. I, I don't want to disparage people that like this type of stuff, but just grinding and grinding and grinding. Like, I'm just like, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. So Blasphemous. So I turned on Blasphemous. And um, I only played the demo of this. But this is a Metroidvania. And it had a very sharp, very steep initial learning curve. Uh, but then it kind of turned out not so hard. This is a, it has a very gothic art style, uh, calling this church punk. What about goth punk? I don't know. It's it's just like that overwhelming 
kind of Dante's Inferno type of feel. Yeah. It's really grim and gory and disgusting. <laughs> like one of the character models for one of the bad guys is this tortured soul looking human that's like broken legs and all dragging itself along. And it has this gigantic winged angel statue that's like a nine foot statue. And this is like a normal human. And they're dragging this on their shoulder. And then they try to hit you with this huge statue like they swing it overhead. That kind of sums up like what you're looking at, like just tortured souls. You're cutting their heads off, people hanging on all sorts of crosses and whatnot. It's called blasphemous and they fucking lean into it. Like they leave it, lean into the blasphemy. Yeah, like I would say generally evangelicals will not go for this game. Um, if you just are a fan of Christianity at all, probably not. The gameplay is really tight. It's really enjoyable. Um, for a Metroidvania, that's really important because you're running back and forth over these areas and the enemies respawn every time you leave the area. That's a token of Metroidvanias. And so if you can't really run through, if you're if you're you have to stop and fight them every time. And if it's hard, it's painful, you know, right away. But this game didn't feel that way. I died four times in the same spot. It's got the same Hollow Knight type of mechanic where you have to go back and get your body with all your loot. And then and but if you don't get to your body, then wherever you die on your way is your new body. And then you lose all your loot. Well, I went back to recover my body four times in the exact same spot. And never once did I get like, oh, my God, I'm so annoyed because it's fun. And it's the, the gameplay is tight. Uh, I don't know. I will be probably going back to it. Uh, it's on my wish list now that I've played the demo. But my first impression, Rose, has to go to Blasphemous. Hey, dude. You know what a rundown is? Use it in a sentence. Uh, can you get this rundown for me? Try another sentence. This rundown better be really good. I don't know, but it sounds like the rundown is really important. Do the, do the rundown. Do the rundown. All right, I've got a rundown of a game that I played. A game I played all the way through. So I played it from start wait, to finish. Wait, what? Yeah. You didn't tell me this. Yeah, I finished it. I played the all whole the game. way through. All the way through. Played the whole game. This is rare, but I will say it's because it's a very short game. You put a notch on your computer cabinet. <clears throat> yeah, I did. <laughs> With the other two notches you've earned in your life, <laughs> it's more than mine. <laughs> yeah, one is Doki Doki. No, Trent, you beat Mario RPG. I like started times. to scratch it out, and I was like, "Oh, there's one more boss. Never mind." Yeah. I quit. So I played a game called Buddy Simulator 1984. This was a random pickup. I saw it. I was sitting there, opened up Steam, and I saw this. It popped up like right at my recommended or featured, you know. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Clicked on it. Had great reviews. Uh, It was only like, it was even on sale, I think. So it was, I bought it for like, eight bucks or six bucks or something like that. So I was Dang. like, I'll play it. Yeah. It's normally 10. I think I was a for winner like at six seven, bucks. eight. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to buy it. Oh man. What this game, this game, <laughs> this, I would say, so first I'll say this game is along the lines of, uh, Doki Doki, which is kind of what, why I had that on my head, on my mind. Um, it is an experience that you go through one time and I'll review it and do my best to not spoil because again, it is kind of that experience, but what the theme of this game is 
you open up a game, right? And on your, it's kind of like inception of games. So you, me, Peterson, I boot up this game on my computer and my computer is now acting like an old computer. I'm now playing a game from 1984 and it's like, hi, I'm your buddy. And let's play games together first. Like, what's your name? And I, you know, I say, oh, my name is, I, so you, you say your name, then it says, what do you want to call me? And then I named, I named mine JD. Perfect. He I'm your buddy. buddy. I knew he was going to turn out evil too or something. So I was yeah. like, oh, we got to make this JD. Very fitting. Right. Um, And then, uh, and so it asks you all these questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? Right. And then you start off and it's like, it starts off as like an MS DOS program. That's how you have to do it. You have to, you have to type in run buddy simulator. Oh my God. And then that's how you start the game up. There's like no mouse. And so you do that. And then it's the first part of the game is like a, it's a text adventure, like Zork. So you're just like, want to play a game? Sure. And then it has like three games that you play like, you know, uh, tic-tac-toe, but you paper, rock, scissors and, uh, guess the number like they're really lame, but you play through them. And once you've played each of them once, because you're now t- you realize the computer, quote unquote, that you're talking to is like an A.I. Oh, OK. Because then it's like, well, these games are kind of boring. I can tell you're not having a lot of fun. The game really leans into wanting to be your best friend. Y- creepy. Yeah. And so it gets a little creepy. You don't really like this, do you? Well, how about, I bet I can find a new game. And then it's saying, do you trust me? And you're like, yes or no. You put in, and you put in yes or no. And it kind of does a different dialogue for each one. Yeah. So I put in no at first and it was like, oh, that hurts my feelings. Well, I'm going to, and then it, it's like, well, I'm going to need some time alone. And it logged me off and I was out of the game in steam. Like (laughs) it shut my game down. And I was like, "Uh, Okay. So then I go back into it. I'm like, yes, I trust you. And then it's like, just type this in. Like you're giving it access to the game files. Yeah. Like I'm going to make an adventure for you. Just give me a night. You're like, okay. And then it logs you off again. So you boot it back up and it's like, I made this game. Type in run adventure for Johnny. Cause that's what I told him my name was and run adventure for Johnny. And so I have to type that in and that's how I start the game now every time. And then you're playing, that's when you're playing this text adventure where you're typing like, look at doorway. And then what, and then you log off. And then when you log back in, it has like a, a, like a nice closing point and the game is starting to evolve itself. Then it becomes like a 2d world and then it becomes a 3d world. And you're doing this like adventure game. It's like a point and click adventure where you're going around solving uh, puzzles and, but every now and then something really creepy will happen. I'll just say experimenting in the game is worth it. Like when the game is like, Hey, just head North. That's where we'll go next. And you go head South. south. Uh, your buddy JD does not like that. And it will start freaking out. And it uh, j- like, this isn't really a spoiler. The screen will start to flicker and it's like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden my guy, my character avatar who is a ghost. It's like a, it just looks like a, like a Halloween costume ghost, right? With the sheet over you with the two holes. Uh, my, uh, my character is uh, in this house with like this gigantic, skinny, creepy looking dude with his head down, tapping his foot. And he's mumbling like, 
nobody likes me. No one's ever going to be my friend. How, why did I ever think this could work? And it's not talking to you. It's just like saying stuff. And you're like, what? Anyway, so the game kind of does that. But then it comes back and it's like, what was that? Oh, man, that was weird. And uh, and so it goes through and it tries to be all happy. And so you finish the game, you finish the adventure, you finish the game, a couple other like creepy. It's not scary. It's just like creepy. Yeah, unsettling is a good word. Types of stuff happens. Uh, My my biggest my biggest nit is that sometimes the adventure because, you know, something else. it wasn't about the adventure game that you're playing. Right. But sometimes that felt a little long. It's like, okay, you know, I'm doing this adventure game. Like, I feel like I have to do it all because you have to. Uh, but like, all right, come on, let's end this. I want to just get on to like the what's the point of what's happening in this game. Yeah. Um, and so that's my biggest nit. But again, it was only like five hours or something. So it wasn't that long. But after hour three, you're like, come on, let's just move on. Get on with it. Um but it is clever. The f- combat system is clever. It's based on like it's a turn-based combat, like Final Fantasy type of thing. But to do your moves, to land a move, it'll pop up a letter. And you have to like hit that letter on your keyboard. It'll be like, uh, Y, and you have to hit it in time. And the faster you do it, the more damage it does. And that's how you block, too. And so like it's very active in terms of the combat. Uh, of course, it's very forgiving if you die. It's like, oh, what? That wasn't supposed to happen. You're not supposed to die. Let's let's bring you back. And uh, and so then you get through the game and you finish it. And all I'll say is I finished it and I sat there and was like, huh. And then I remembered there were files that I found in the game that you're not supposed to like have access to or find. Oh, my God. But you kept finding them throughout the game. So then you're like, what happened to those? Where are they? So you find those, and once you start reading those, then you realize what this game actually was. And it was, it's it's deep, it's sad, it's not, I wouldn't say disturbing, maybe like on a scale of one to ten, it's like a three in terms of disturbing. Not like Doki Doki, which was very disturbing. Yeah. This was more like sad and you would think and you sit there and think about it and then you're going through the whole game in your head and you're like, oh, my gosh, like it definitely made everything have like a deeper meaning. Uh, wow. So I won't say any more. Dang. Besides a this, good review. Is, you got to put this on your wish list. Definitely check it out and play it. The game was very interesting. I enjoyed it. It was fast to play. Uh, so it's called Buddy Simulator 1984 different than other games that i've played so peterson uh, what food is this if buddy simulator 1984 was a oh gosh i just thought of a good one but it would spoil it too much really which which seems weird uh buddy simulator 1984 is a food it would be jello and here's why jello has been around for a long time uh, it's all sorts of iterations, right? Through the eighties, it was it was Jello salads and Jello. Uh, Got to put those shredded carrots in your Jello. So, yeah, like weird mishmashes. Be a good American. And then it evolved into the nineties. It got more colorful, and it became Jello Jigglers. Uh, and then you know, in the in the two thousands, it, it Jello really is what it it became. What it really is 
is just uh, gelatin in Kool-Aid. And so it's in like little cups and little kids eat those. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, and then I guess if you play the game, you can understand one of the other versions of Jello, and it will make sense. So uh, this is Jello. Wow, what a tease! That if you was. play the game, you'll know you'll oh be like, "Oh God. yeah, it is Jello." Gotta go out there and Holy buy crap! Some so play Buddy Simulator nineteen eighty four. This seems like a game a few of our listeners would be really into. All right, let's move on to dice. Dice, 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 dice of, 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 of destiny. Okay, Dice of Destiny is this dope game we play at the end of every episode. We roll a six-sided dice to see who will be rolling the Dice of Destiny, which is a 20-sided dice that has 20 different game genres assigned to it. That person then rolls a six-sided dice to see how much they can spend. Then they find a game for that price in that genre, pick it, play it, review it. Uh, last week, I rolled a $30 mystery game, and I picked... A game called Unforeseen Incidents. So Unforeseen Incidents is a, uh, I think it's a just a tra- traditional interactive mystery. So it's kind of like a point and click, not point and click, like you're moving around like left to right. But why this game jumped out to me is the art style. It's like hand painted. Yeah, and the characters different. Yeah, it looks like kind of that that newish art style that kind of caught on with um what was that? Bob's Burgers, just oh, like kind of where it looks like, kind of like that, but like more drawn than yeah. That. It's very like the concept drawn. art of that. <laughs> it looks like kind of notebook doodles. Yeah, like a, like a kid That's that a draws good. notebook doodles, and you're like, I'm not sure if he's a really good artist, but I love his doodles. Like, these are pretty cool, but they're pretty cool. Um, it just looks wild. The character, the cast looks the the game looks very fun. Like they they don't take it too seriously, but also you know it's a good mystery. Um. I don't know. I have no idea. It has it's really positive reviews. Um, people seem to like it, and it's it's hard. I've done a lot of the mysteries, the big ones. Peterson and I were going through. Like we've played a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a little tapped out genre now for Dice of Destiny. So um, I'm going deep, and I hope this is good. It's called Unforeseen Incidents. If you're interested in playing along with me, it is currently on sale on Steam. Um, for 33% off and it's 14 bucks right now. Nice. So check that out. All right. Guys, that uh wraps it us, wraps it us. Wraps it us. I'm JD. Uh no, we're gonna play some music from that game I was playing. I'm losing it, man. It was a long fucking night. Guys, wrap it right us. You heard all those radio plays. We did those all tonight. And and Peterson is going to go edit those. And it's 11 p.m. So give us a big old break. Uh, We're playing some music. Yeah, back off. Give us a break. I'm JD. Give me a break. I'm Peterson going AFK. And also give Trent a break because he is computer disconnected. Trent's computer just fucking died. He's gone. So give him a break for sure. You know what? Give us a break, guys. Give us all a break, man! Gosh, go easy on us, guys! Sheesh! I guess. Peterson Productions! Oh, yeah.
If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.